Welcome to the Four We Are Many podcast. I am Dean. I am the person's voice you hear speaking to you right now. My pronouns are he, him, and we. My favorite pronoun is comrade. Huh. Anyway, I'm Rob. Hi, I'm Trisha. I'm eating pie. Hell yeah. <laughs> Strawberry rhubarb. Good shit, man. Who else is on the call with us today? I'm Osama. Roger that. Hell yeah. John? How's it going? Good. My turn? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> I had something for this. I, I had something for this. I forgot it. That's okay. Hello. You've made it. You hear my voice. My name is Don... Good news, Hughes. <laughs> I'm still not quite sure why they call me that, but it works. It at least rhymes, you know? Um, thank you for letting my words perch in the caves on the side of your head that you call ears. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, George Clinton used to say, uh, come in your ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I did have something prepared about like um, us just being pilots of these balloons of meat, but I stole that from Duncan Trussell and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I think that's fine. That's where I think you know, he'd be cool with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's where the uh, have not accomplished room temperature and still exchanging oxygen. I got that from somebody that was joining a conference call with a few years ago, you know. Beautiful. I'm sorry for my silence. I am uh, posting this video that we are partaking in right now into a bunch of uh, groups. Does anybody have anything they want to kick this off with? Anybody have any uh, anything interesting they did today, or I discovered Ram Das the other day. Indeed. Been listening to a bunch of his lectures. It's actually been helping me out. I accidentally just posted this in a music group. I bet it's not gonna get approved. <laughs> I think I'm out of <laughs> I think I'm out of groups to post it to though. Ah. There we ah. go. All Current right. events. Current events. Current uh, events. Before we dive too deep, I just want to plug our Patreon. That's live. www.patreon.com slash for we are many. Uh, you can make any size donation that you can afford. We're all working class. We all understand the struggle, but any amount helps. Um, and with your support, we can grow this project into an independent leftist media source. Um, we actually are looking for volunteers for that matter. 
um, for article writers, musicians, uh, social media managers, um, et cetera, et cetera. On air talent. Indeed. You can find us all over social media. Um, wow, Trisha, why are you upside down? <laughs> oh, damn. Well, I, I turned my phone around the other way so I don't set it down on the volume buttons, and I figured it would adjust accordingly, and it's not. That's awesome. <laughs> That's we already strange. Have I wonder if I rotated around. That's strange and wonderful at the same time. Uh, Johnny Garza says, an idea for revolution. Can I speak? Or maybe you can show this video and tell me your thoughts. Day 30 of the revolution. The sword has begun to cut. And the beloved, please follow me on Twitter, yada, yada. I can't click that from the mobile app, actually. Um, if anybody else wants to go see what he's talking about. But yeah, you can speak. Um, you can type out whatever you want to say in the comments. Hello, Natalie. Justin says solidarity from Texas. Keep doing that with the wrong hand, but it's okay. I don't think it really matters what hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, our first section today is mutual aid. We're talking about solidarity, taking care of one another. We don't need the government to do it for us. Um, they've proven inept multiple times. And that's kind of what the focus is today. The first story, the headline is when government aid falls short, mutual aid steps in. Despite the isolation needed in a pandemic, some are working for others, even if it's at a safe distance. A garage outside Pekin is where Tazewell County Mutual Aid constantly fills and empties shelves of material for central Illinois neighbors. A recent wish list for items to be gathered and distributed includes powdered milk, dish soap, Quarters for laundromats and gift cards, no more than $25 increments. Mutual aid organizations are grassroots groups that try to take their community's welfare into their own hands, bridging gaps in necessary goods and services. The local network was founded a year ago this month when COVID-19 surged, but aid didn't. Um, Aaron Rockhill Brown is a 52-year-old Tazewell County native who's worked in education, social services, childcare, and writing, said, I feared and anticipated what the pandemic would do to folks. Uh, Brown has launched and helped with similar projects, has launched this and helped with similar projects and been recruited into similar projects before this, but says this was hard to get going at first. Uh, in the beginning, we had difficulty finding folks in need of assistance. I was the founder of our network and woefully lacking in the skills needed to put the word out. Lacking in identity and reputation, TCMA started slowly, but caught on through word of mouth, social media, and referrals from similar groups. These are the things that we ourselves are trying to do. Um, mentioning Enough Stuff Thrift Shop and Community Space, Porch Pantry, and 100 plus people who care, Tazewell County. When Cindy Klingbale became Brown's partner in July, activity uh, accelerated. Thank goodness she joined because she possesses organizing, or, eh, organizing skills that I don't. We complement each other and are far more effective together. And we began to receive requests for assistance and offers of assistance. Often structured informally, mutual aid doesn't work top down, but horizontally. And that's an important point. Um, yeah. Very. Try, to, try to lift us all up together 
instead of lifting specific groups up. Um, and it's been necessary to show people that it's neither judgmental nor charity. We've received messages from folks who are ashamed to ask for assistance, but our motto is solidarity, not charity. We make clear that the network is dependent upon all of us. One person who felt ashamed at first had prided himself on being self-sufficient. Since he's collected and distributed produce, performed more wellness checks than I can count, cooked meals for his neighbors, and is a wonderful asset to the network. So, you know, this is a good way to put into the community. Uh, so Johnny, does any, well, bef before I get too off topic, going back into the comments, does anybody have anything to throw in on that? Yeah, I do. Um, it, it occurred to me, oh. it's funny that they mentioned that about Shane and uh, maybe even uh, a reluctance to ask for help. And it occurred to me that that may be a, uh, a significant barrier, right, for participation for a lot of people is that there may be some degree of shame. We found that in Flint during the water crisis that we, it's very difficult for people to say, you know, hey, I need help. You know, it just seems, and it seems to contradict a lot of what kind of uh, mythology holds the fabric of this country together, which is, I got this, I'm on my own, we're all on it, every, it's every, every, everyone for themselves, you know, kind of thing. So I'm, I'm glad that that's being considered and, 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 and there's uh, a method or at least uh, attention to mitigate that. All right. Anybody else? No. Okay. So back to the comments. It's making uh, the song. It's making the song "Lean on Me" play in my head. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of it, isn't it? So in the comments, Johnny said, "Great. Here it is in a nutshell. The reason we don't get anywhere is because we aren't seeing." Well, I mean, us and thousands of people like us are working on that, but that's only one aspect of the fight. Uh, community organizing is another aspect of the fight. Um, anyway, what, what we all agree on is three things. One, our representatives don't represent the working class. Two, we deserve a vote for Medicare for all. And three, we need to do something about the manufacture of consent defined by Noam Chomsky. Uh, we get our country back by free and fair elections, whether Congress does it, we do it with the state's convention, but we have been blocked for years from doing this. All political persuasions agree that this is the only thing keeping us from doing it, or that the only thing uh, keeping us from doing it is the power to do it, who has power in our country. Uh, two industries, garbage collectors and people like myself, a truck driver. I don't think that all power is confided in truck drivers. I'm just going to disagree on that. I think it's the entire working class. We have the power, but we have, as a class, forgotten that we have the power. Um, so how do we convince these two industries to strike on our behalf? This is a good question, because for any sort of general strike or any sort of meaningful strike at all, we do need the truckers' support. And that's a very good question. How do we get that? That is a good question. I'm not sure that any of us really have an answer for that right now. Um, <clears throat> trying to think back because 
growing up, I grew up around a lot of truckers, truckers that were old enough to remember the last time that the truckers attempted to strike. And I'm trying to remember what the catalyst there was. Um, but that, that seems to be a recurring question, Rob. Like, how do we, what do we do? What is the catalyst that is needed to unite the working class? Well said. Well, I have a lot to say about that, but let's carry on. Show and convince them that they are national heroes, he said. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. They do represent us. Uh, represent us. I don't think that we should have to show them as heroes. I think that we should show them that we're all in it together. But you're, you're totally right, Johnny. We do got to get truckers on board. Um, the next story in mutual aid is food from people to people. Mutual aid programs feed thousands with barrier-free aid. That's uh, something you're going to notice in leftist mutual aid groups is there's never any eligibility screenings. There's never any ridiculous applications. We're not the Democrats. We don't means test shit. If you need help, we're going <laughs> to give it to you. Yeah, you know that's one of my pet peeves right there, man. Um, once a week, the storeroom behind Gateway Community Services on Forest Ave in Portland is transformed and the empty space becomes a cornucopia. By mid-morning, 50-pound bags of black beans, lentils, and rice are stacked high on pallets alongside countless boxes of bananas, limes, fresh herbs, and vegetables. Volunteer rationers stand at tables spaced 10 feet apart, portioning the bulk foods into fa family-sized shares. By afternoon, the rationers are joined by volunteer delivery drivers, who by the evening have cleared the space once again, having distributed thousands of pounds of food for hundreds, uh, two hundreds of families in need. This weekly, uh, excuse me, <laughs> this weekly act of community care is accomplished by Presente Maine's Food Brigade. This is Portland, Maine, not Portland, Oregon. I guess I should have clarified that earlier, but a mutual aid project that began in March, 2020 in response to the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're seeing groups like this all over the country. We have one here in Phoenix, actually. Uh, Presente Maine is a community organization that advocates for the Latinx people in the state. The Food Brigade is organized by Presente and powered by volunteers who offer their labor as an act of solidarity, guided by a principle of barrier-free aid. It's funny, they, they said some of the same things I just said. No eligibility screenings, no burdensome applications, just food from people to people. The success of the Food Brigade in meeting the urgency of the moment and providing for communities has led local institutions to refer people to their services, prompting organizers to ask, why can't our state and local institutions meet community needs on their own? Well, why can't they? They don't care to. That's my take on it. Since its first week of operation, during which rations were distributed to around 50 people, the food brigade's capacity has grown massively. Um, every week, the project now delivers 15,000 pounds of food to over 2,200 people in Portland, Lewiston, and surrounding towns. That's a lot of fucking food, man. Uh, organizers credit the Food Brigade's success to its community-led approach and commitment to barrier-free aid. We're providing resources that have been needed in the community for a long time, said the president of Presente, 
and providing them at the direction of the community. In a sign of the program's reputation, local Portland institutions constitute the Food Brigade's second largest source of referrals for aid. So like the city government is actually directing people to them for aid. That's, that needs to be a more common thing, I think as well, but we'll get to that in a minute. Despite Presente starting off with $500 in the bank at the start of the pandemic, our help was solicited by caseworkers at established and resourced organizations and institutions like Portland Public Schools, the City of Portland, and the Opportunity Alliance, reads Presente's recently released interim pandemic report. When asked about the referrals, Lily Lynch, Vice President of Communications at the Opportunity Alliance, Cumberland County's designated community action agency, said the organization is grateful for all of our amazing community partners that have worked together over the past year to meet the increased need of individuals and families across Maine. Anybody have anything else to? That's a ton of food. Uh, yeah. 20, 12, uh, six to be exact. Thank you, Trish. Uh, Johnny, if you want to continue this um, conversation when we're in the power of a strike section, that's fine. Yeah, agreed. Um, anyway, so this one's pretty fun. Um, there's a mutual aid group in the Bay Area, meaning the San Francisco Bay. Uh, that is mixing self-defense with style. Dancer Nikita Lewis poses for a photographer in front of a friend's home in Oakland. She's standing resolutely facing forward. I didn't put the picture in here. I meant to, but I forgot. Appearing to have no worries in the world at the moment. In one hand, she models a popular cream-colored designer bag from New York designer Telfar Clemens. In her other hand, she wields a stun gun. These are two item, uh, items available in a free, I want to point that out again, free, Self-defense kit supplied by We Are The Ones We've Been Waiting For, a mutual aid collective of artists and creatives based in Oakland. It's part of an initiative called Arm The Girls, Fuck Yes, uh, which supports local black and indigenous queer and trans femmes. The other items in the kit include a two inch pocket knife, antibacterial spray and a three in one tool, uh, which is maximum strength pepper gel, glass breaker and a seatbelt cutter. All fashionably packaged in the frequently sold out te uh, Telfar bag, a double strap handbag made out of vegan leather, emergency mutual aid support and stipends for self-defense uh, self self classes are also included. The initiative in collaboration with the local mutual aid groups Visibility and Join the Movement Coalition went viral last December on Instagram, leading to an outpouring of support and donations. The collective has raised more than $21,000 for more than 300 donors in a GoFundMe. Clemens, the handbag designer, even reached out to the We Are The Ones We Are Waiting For and donated 50 purses. That's pretty cool. Very. Um, and I, she didn't call it mutual aid, but I have a, a video to show. I made sure to click share sound this time. We wanted to go to a clip right now of Grace Lee Boggs. Uh, right. She is going to be Close celebrating her 95th birthday. 
I would say that we've got to redefine democracy, that we have been stuck in concepts of representative democracy, that we you believe it, that it's getting other people to do things for us, that we progress. And I think that we've reached the point now where we're, we're stuck with a whole lot of concepts. So that when Michael Moore speaks about the number of people who make all this money and the number of people who don't, it sounds as if we're struggling for equality with them. Who wants to be equal to these guys? I think we have to be thinking much more profoundly. Actually, to go back to what Marx said in, in the uh, Communist Manifesto over 100 years ago, when in talking about the constant revolutions in technology, he ended that paragraph by saying, all that is sacred is profaned, all that is solid melts into air, and men and women are forced to face with sober senses our conditions of life and our relations with our kind. We're at that sort of turning point in human history. And I think that talking about recovery, talking about democracy, we too easily get sucked into old notions of what what we want, and what and when I so we're expecting protests. I'm not expecting someone to protest. I don't mind protests, and I encourage them at times. But what happened in 2001 in Porto Alegre, Brazil? when people gathered to say another world is necessary, another world is possible, and another world is happening. I think that that's what's happening, in Detroit in particular. We, people are beginning to say, the only way to survive is by taking care of one another, by recreating our relationships to one another, that we have created a society over the last period in particular where each of us is pursuing self-interest. We have, we have devolved as human beings. That's Grace Lee Boggs. She'll be celebrating her 95th birthday two days after the U.S. Social Forum that's going to be taking place here. All right. Anybody uh, got anything to say about that? He's on point in the badass, but you already know that. I fucking love Grace Lee Bugs, man. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> he lost a couple viewers when she said communist manifesto. <laughs> no, we, no. I mean, when the video started, we had nine and now we have 11. Yeah, I know, but at one, at, as soon as she said Communist Manifesto, we dropped by two viewers and then more people came. Hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, wow. So sustainability uh, today, pretty much what I have, is, I'm going to screen share this for a minute. We got um, earthshipglobal.com. Um, they have, I just wanted to kind of go over it. They have, you know, an online academy. They have rentals, actually. You can stay in an Earth ship. Um, they talk about the six needs for harmonious life on Earth. I think we can all agree that these six things, food, energy, clean water, shelter, garbage management, and sewage treatment are all pretty goddamn necessary. Um, and they build houses that address right. these needs all over the world. I'm not going to take you through the whole website. I just wanted to throw out earthshipglobal.com. 
And um, yeah. Anybody is this else? the same organization I'm thinking of? They even do classes on how to build earthships. A few of my friends have attended those courses to actually learn how to build them from recycled materials. Pretty I'm pretty dope. I'm pretty sure that's what the online academy is, is learning how to build earthships. But yeah, it's a great uh, it's it's a great I mean, thing. Like in person. <laughs> here on-site courses of actually building them you know not just the internet resources right so these but are this is i stole it, is, it from their website because it was kind of hard to see it when i was scrolling you know by comparison but this is this is their statement of goals i mean to reduce the economic and institutional barriers between humans and their habitat to reverse the overall negative effect that conventional human housing has on this planet to create a less stressful plane of existence for humans in an effort to reduce the stress that they are in turn placed on the planet and each other, or that they in turn place on the planet and each other, to interface economics and ecology in a way that immediately and tangibly affects current pressing problems with life on Earth, to provide a direction for those who want to live in peace with each other and their environment. Um, to empower individuals with the unarguable forces of nature, as opposed to incapacitating them with the smothering forces of politics and bureaucracy. To find and distribute the appropriate, appropriate soil from which the flower of humanity can blossom. And finally, to evolve humanity into an earth in harmony already exemplified by more evolved structures such as plants, animals, and water. Um, in other sustainability news, Mexico made a decision that I greatly agree with in banning glyphosate, also known as Roundup. Um, the president quietly rocked the agribusiness world with his New Year's Eve decree to phase out the use of the herbicide glyphosate and the uh, cultivation of genetically modified corn. Uh, his administration sent out an even stronger aftershock two weeks later, clarifying that the government would also phase out GM crop imp or corn imports in three years, and the ban would include not just corn for human consumption, but also yellow corn destined primarily for livestock. Under NAFTA, the U.S. has seen a 400% increase in cr uh, corn exports to Mexico. The vast majority is genetically modified yellow dent corn. The bold policy moves fulfill a campaign promise by Mexico's populist president, whose agricultural policies have begun to favor Mexican producers, particularly small-scale farmers, and protect consumers, alarmed by the rise of obesity and chronic diseases associated with high-fat, high-sugar processed food. In banning glyphosate, the decree cites the precautionary principle in the growing body of scientific research showing the dangers of the chemical, the active ingredient in Bayer slash Monsanto's Roundup herbicide. The government has stopped imports of glyphosate since late 2019, citing the World Health Organization's warning that the chemical is a probable carcinogen. Um, Honestly, this is something that should be banned globally, <laughs> yeah. not just in Mexico. So, you know, good on them for uh getting that started there yeah the decree states 
with the objective of achieving self-sufficiency and food sovereignty, our country must be oriented towards establishing sustainable and culturally adequate agricultural production through the use of agroecological practices and inputs that are safe for human health, the country's biocultural diversity and the environment, as well as congruent with the agricultural traditions of Mexico. The rest of the world should follow suit, just like Tricia said. This is only one small piece of the picture of what big agriculture is actively doing to our planet and to our food supply. There are algae blooms and dead zones in the Gulf of Mexico from runoff from farms. One of those things that like this has been contaminated for long enough um all in the name of profiteering you know we don't need gmo roundup ready corn with the roundup to go along with it just to make bayer and monsanto um a fuck ton of money for no reason it there's better ways to um preserve crops from being destroyed by pests than to use chemicals that treat humans as the pests and take us out for eating it. Because basically how this shit works is um, they're genetically modified with the plants producing enzymes that destroy the stomach lining of whatever eats it that doesn't come to a halt at the bug level on the plant that is being you know, produced in the plant itself and then it's being ground up and food made with it. What do you think it's doing to your stomach lining? Well, not only that, the uh, it affects the pollinators as well. Right. So, I mean, between, but I don't know if I, I would say that's probably more the chemical in that case because they're not actively eating the plant. Well, yeah, actually they are eating the pollen. If, that's how they make honey. If it, they throw it back up. That, yeah. If it's anything that's flowering. Um, but, uh, you know, the the chemicals there are probably having a significant effect too um i'm not sure specifically about the formula of roundup but i mean one of the things that is used in pesticides that is commonly affecting the bee population specifically is nicotinoids and if we don't have the bees then nothing lives <laughs> you know they are literally the most important life form on the planet without them everything dies so you know maybe we should stop killing them with chemicals for no reason uh johnny said um i call them meaning monsanto and other corporations like them the beast uh our courts gave them the same rights as flesh and blood human beings such as ourselves yeah that is one thing that we actively need to organize around corporations are not people i am not going to accept any argument that you give me the corporations are people until we execute one. I don't know where right. that's been defined. Hmm? Where has it been defined that corporations are humans? Uh, the Citizens United Supreme Court ruling. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Got, got it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm with you now. <laughs> it's not there yet, but yes. <laughs> this is like the fourth run at doing this that I can recall in my lifetime. Yeah. Johnny also said, I personally knew a Mexican farmer that got run out of his farm in Mexico due to Monsanto. 
I completely believe that. We've seen that not just there. We've seen that in India. India, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were trying to sue, Monsanto was trying to sue, not even trying to, they successfully sued Indian farmers um, that were not growing their seeds for being cross-pollinated with their genetically modified seeds. There's a lot of things that Monsanto does that are absolutely fucked up. Right, that shouldn't have even been allowed. How do you sue someone else for your crop busting a nut on theirs? Right. Hey, Emily said it's hard being a time travel uh, traveler. We forgive you, Dean. <laughs> no problem. Indeed. And if y'all want to see who the doctor really is. You know, you start seeing repeats and iterations of the same thing. It, it's it, it it's disorienting. I'll be honest. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Uh, so Trisha, do you want to take this one over? Absolutely. All right. On to women's rights. A century after women gained the right to vote, majority of Americans see work to do on gender equality. Blatantly fucking obvious to most of us. A hundred years after the 19th Amendment was ratified, about half Americans say granting women the right to vote has been the most important milestone in advancing the position of women in the country. Still, a majority of adults say the country hasn't gone far enough when it comes to giving women equal rights with men, even as a large share thinks there has been progress in the last decade, according to a new Pew Research Center survey. Among those who think the country still has work to do in achieving gender equality, 77% point to sexual harassment as a major obstacle to women having equal rights with men. Fewer but still majorities point to women not having the same legal rights as men, 67%. Different societal expectations for men and women, 66%. And not enough women in positions of power, 64% as major obstacles to gender equality. Women are more likely than men to see each of those as a major obstacle. Many of those, excuse me, <clears throat> many of those who say it is important for men and women to have equal rights point to aspects of the workplace when asked about gender, asked about what gender equality would look like. Fully 45% volunteered that a society where women have equal rights with men would include equal pay. An additional 19% say there would be no discrimination in hiring, promotion, or educational opportunities. About 1 in 10 say women would be more equally represented in business or political leadership. That, <laughs> that's something that it, it still dumbfounds me that to this day we have such little representation in business and politics. And sadly when you know there's ones like Betsy DeVos let me just say the entire state of Michigan right now we apologize to the rest of the country for Betsy DeVos I will leave it at that many of those who say it is important for men and women to have equal rights point aspects of the workplace when oh sorry that was the paragraph I already read let me That's scroll fine. up here you're good <laughs> In terms of the groups and institutions that have done the most to advance the rights of women in the U.S., 70% say the feminist movement has done at least a fair amount in this regard. 
the Democratic Party is viewed as having contributed more to the cause of women rights than the Republican Party, i.e. the example I just put out there, you know. Um, 59% say the Democratic Party has done at least a fair amount to advance women's rights, um, while 37% say the same about the GOP. About 3 in 10, 29% say President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, has done at least a fair amount to advance women's rights. I think that's bullshit, but those 29% are probably his supporters. I was um, just going to well, say the same thing. <laughs> I, I don't think being grabbed by the fucking pussy is doing much to advance women's rights. Agreed. It's really not. I mean, unless, unless it's a consenting grabbing of the pussy, and I fucking guarantee you that uh, the majority of the women who Donald Trump has sexually assaulted in such a manner were not like, yeah, grab my pussy. Anyway, I digress. These views vary considerably by party, you think? Um, with <laughs> Republican pleaners Republican at least five times as likely as Democrats and those who lean Democratic to say the GOP and Trump have done at least a fair amount and Democrats far more likely than Republicans to say the same about the Democratic Party. Um, honestly, I'll say both have fallen short, you know. Um, do we see some better representation starting to happen in the Democrat Party like AOC? Sure, but there's still Mama Bear Pelosi that needs a pussy punt right the fuck out of that seat because she is just as out of fucking touch with the populace as any of them that are in the Republican Party. Um, more needs to happen here. We need more actual leftist women running for offices. And yes. as far as ones on the right who are running for office, can we please get some fucking ethics up in here and leave the internalized misogyny at your therapist's office? Yeah, yeah, I'll totally agree with fucking everything you just said. Um, remember that we're not going to get... Okay, Fred Hampton said that we can't replace capitalism with black capitalism, right? It's the same thing in terms of women. We can't replace the current power structure with women and just think it's going to change alone off of that. Right, uh, it needs to be a, a fresh look. Like, do we need more women there? Yeah. We yeah. make up half the population... So why are we not making up half of the seats in Congress? But the fact of the matter is, even when it comes to the women we elect, we need to, you know, be choosing candidates along points of their fucking ethics. But no more Marjorie to... Taylor Green. No, fuck <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> like you're okay. Um <laughs> Like, I don't know how that fucking QAnon dumb fuck ended up in an office, but here we are, you know? Uh, honestly, it, I think a lot of that has to do with Trump. With the people who follow Trump, supporting other people who follow Trump, she's a train wreck. She's an absolute fucking train wreck. Only, um, only to some, only to some, which we can we can touch on that. I, I want to break that down with you later. Okay, we yep. will come I'm, back. Yep. I'm oh, going to blame. Go I'm going to blame the Antifa sluts for all of it. No, you need to thank us for. Hell it. yeah! Shouts out to. 
<laughs> Shouts out to our MP, but so it's listening right now. Absolutely. All right, does anybody have any other thoughts on that before I move on to the next subject here? No, I just wanted to provide some comedy. Indeed. I love it. Yeah, so this next one, this next story really pisses me off. And I know that, you know, I shouldn't even really, I mean, I should have an opinion on it because the oppression of one person is the oppression of all people. But man, Poland came pretty damn close to banning abortion with a recent piece of legislation. And it's just, it's infuriating. Um, That's just the the preface that I wanted to put on it. Go ahead, Trisha, sorry. Well, the message was clear at this European Parliament hearing on Poland's near ban on abortion. The European Commission should act decisively to protect the lives and rights of women and girls and stop erosion of the values on which the European Union stands. Martha, or Marta Lempart, um, co-founder of the Straight Kobiet, the women's strike movement leading Polish protests, told the commission I'm not asking for your concern. I'm not asking for declarations. I demand action and that is my role and my right. I am a European citizen. Your duty first is to me. And to her, I give an ovation. Solidarity. Sit right on the fucking head. Absolutely. Members of the European parliament spelled out how heightened restrictions on legal abortion in Poland already home to one of Europe's most restrictive laws, defy international human rights laws and are indisputably intertwined with rule of law violations that should have swift repercussions for Poland's government. They rightly denounce the ruling law and justice party's use of the politically influenced constitutional tribunal to bypass proper parliamentary procedures in eliminating legal grounds for abortion. As Lempart said, If we lose the rule of law, we lose judiciary independence, we lose everything. That's the thing. This comes down to bodily autonomy, period. There is no fucking excuse for these laws even being on the books in the first place to legislate over who can have an abortion, whether you can have an abortion. That is a personal health decision that should be between patient and doctor. It doesn't have fuck all to do with a stranger who thinks that you shouldn't get it because they don't like it or because it's against their beliefs. Motherfucker, if I'm on a diet, that means I can't have cookies. That doesn't mean I get to tell you that you can't have fucking cookies, okay? Same concept applies here. Keep your hands and your laws off other people's fucking skin suits. Because there is not another motherfucker out there who can tell any individual with a uterus whether or not that uterus is a fucking incubator, okay? Even the healthiest pregnancies are a risk to your life. And only you can choose whether you are willing to put your life on the line to create another one. And furthermore on this, Sperm are not entitled to incubation, okay? So if people are really so fucking concerned about abortion and preventing abortion, the one and only thing I can recommend to you is if you don't like it, don't fucking get one. 
sorry, not one and only thing. Here's a second thing. If you have a penis and you're against abortion, you know what you can do about it? Get your fucking nuts clipped because every abortion that happens is due to unwanted sperm being deposited into a vagina without consent to pregnancy. Period. Anybody else got anything they'd like to add to that one? I mean, they are they are actively working on male birth control, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it, it makes more sense to shoot blanks than it does to put on a bulletproof fence and shoot live rounds. All I'm saying. I absolutely agree with you. I have to interject, though, that when they did the trials here in the state, the reason why the shit didn't get the FDA approval needed to begin, you know, being put out there for men to access is simply because those who are involved in the fucking studies complained about experiencing the same types of issues that women have dealt with for decades from hormonal birth control. Yeah, hormonal birth control <laughs> is fucking horrible. I there are we can have this conversation later, Trisha, um, when when we talk about the weird stuff. But there's there's some things that I've learned about with hormonal birth control that just blow my mind. I don't know why why we can't figure out a better way. I agree. There are side effects, but you know what? I say if women can tolerate the side effects of that shit for so many years, why the fuck can't men deal with it if they really don't want to reproduce or deal with, let's see, let's compare the surgical options even, of in order for a man to prevent unwanted pregnancy, he gets a tiny little incision, gets his seminal vesicles cut and tied, and might have a stitch, might just have liquid stitches put on there and glued shut versus a woman having to have massively invasive surgery to do tubal ligations or whatnot. Um, and they are getting a little better about that too, where, you know, they have other ways of doing that, where they put basically this spring type object inside of your uh, tubes there. But, you know, either way, if you change your mind later about wanting to have a baby, you can go ahead and get that undone. Um, you know, but I, I know so many couples where the women ended up getting their tubes tied because their man refused to get a vasectomy done, even though his would have been a fraction of the healing time. You know, there's things like that where it still speaks to that assumption of women should always bear the burden of it and I don't like that yes we can do better with the science yes we can develop better methods as far as the birth control go um that's really like I was on depo provera for many years and that had side effects that I didn't care for so I ended up switching to the implant in my arm which at the time was implanon now it's nexplanon that doesn't have the fucked up side effects that I dealt with before so that's not too bad um but if they can make improvements on those things where women don't have to deal with as bad of side effects from their hormonal birth control they can do the same with the men it's no different it you know it's it's a, a shared responsibility 
And you know, <laughs> you know? I, <clears throat> you know, you know for sure. I I fully agree with you. What I was simply saying is hormonal birth control. One of the side effects. Um, we as humans, as mammals, as animals on this planet, use pheromones to communicate. We don't. We're not conscious of it, but. How many times have you smelled somebody, smelled a man uh, or, or woman or whoever you're into, smelled them and you're like, oh, oh, they smell really good. That is that is pheromones and hormonal birth control messes with that. There's been a number of cases where where the female gets off birth control and then the relationship falls apart because what she winds up saying is, you know, he just doesn't smell right anymore. <clears throat> but what, what her brain is telling her is he's not genetically compatible anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's a, a cue from evolution of if somebody smells good to you, then they should be a good genetic match for you to breed with. Um, you know, but that's the thing. If you're getting off, birth control because you're wanting to reproduce and pick up that smell from your partner, then they're probably not the best bet to reproduce with. But uh, that, that's got to be a difficult thing to deal with. Like, say, if you were getting off birth control because you were going and getting a surgical option done to prevent pregnancy, you know, just to remove that hormonal effect from your skin suit and give your body a break. And now you can't stand the smell of your partner who you really do like love and want to be with, but wouldn't be breeding with anyway, you know, um, it's a, it's a slippery slope, you know, we definitely can do better when it comes to our options, but it, when it comes back down to the whole abortion thing, like I know people who can't use any form of birth control. I know people who can't take hormonal birth control because it gives them precancerous growth throughout their body. So they have, you know, no option there. Some of those people are also allergic to latex. So you're limited as far as even the condoms you can use and their effectiveness. And accidental pregnancies end up happening. And I don't care, care whether it's one of those situations or a pregnancy from rape or whatever the fucking case may be. You don't need to justify it to any fucking buddy. If you need access to an abortion, you should have that right available to you without somebody's laws trying to stand in the way of that. Um, too many people try to claim that abortion is just used willy-nilly as a, you know form of birth control and it's really not you know um anywho we've gone on, down this rabbit hole <laughs> well this touches on an even broader spectrum of the societal issues that we have surrounding you know women's rights altogether. and this this is a story that I found um, this article on the obsession with Britney Spears virginity was the first shot in a 20 year war on millennial women. Um, it speaks volumes on how older generations tried to police the sexualities of millennial women and tried to over 
overthrow the girl power we were raised with in the 90s by attempting to legally block us from accessing birth control or choosing education and career over marriage and housewifery. And this piece conveys that beautifully. So I'm gonna take a moment to read the whole thing and really show where these premises line up with conclusions that we can draw from seeing society, such as the birth of the incel and society's violent response to women taking ownership of our lives and our bodies. So give me a moment, I'm gonna pull this article up. And Don, can you grab that from the presentation and screen share it so people can follow along with us because I'm actually, I've got the presentation up on my other device here. Um, I got you. Anywho, yeah. at first blush, a little strange that the New York Times documentary Framing Britney Spears, which first aired on FX and streams on Hulu, did so much to capture the national imagination. The show does a good job of presenting the case advocated by the Free Britney movement that Jamie Spears, Britney's father, exploited the misogynistic and overblown coverage of the star's otherwise treatable mental health issues to falsely portray her as permanently unfit, thereby gaining legal control over her life and money. But it is also true that this is a unique situation that affects one person in the whole world and not at least on its surface a widespread social problem affecting people not named Spears. So why has it inspired so much fascination and so many think pieces and social media conversations? The easy answer is that we live in a celebrity culture where ordinary people overly relate to famous people. A phenomenon so common, psychologists created a term for it, parasocial relationship. I think it runs much deeper than that, however. People relate to Spears not because they are also under conservatorships, run by controlling and greedy fathers, but because her story is such a profound symbol of what was done in general to our generation, especially the women and queer people who make up the Free Britney movement. The voyeuristic, sexist, controlling, judgmental abuse was heaped onto Spears by the press for the first decade plus of the 21st century was clearly the first shot what was an all-out sexist assault on millennials. It started with abstinence only, and played all the way out through the election of creepy old Boomer, who bragged about how he grabbed the women of Spears' age by the pussy. I was 21 when Spears' first record, Baby One More Time, came out, and my memory of the whole Britney phenomenon was primarily that it was weird. The 90s had hardly been perfect, but it was a time of great progress for women in music. Tori Amos, TLC, PJ Harvey, Bjork, Missy Elliott, Hole, Salt and Peppa. Liz Fair and Lauren Hill all made a huge impact, often with songs that told women's stories from their own sex-positive perspective. Then at the end of the decade, there's a sudden interest in the virginity of this sexy young starlet. The Britney Virginity Watch, which was soon accompanied by the Jessica Simpson Virginity Watch and the Olsen Twins' 18th birthday countdown, became a national obsession. And this wasn't just some weird pop culture thing. The hymen statuses of the up-and-coming millennial generation soon became a political fixation. After the election of George W. Bush in 2000, the newly empowered religious right went to war on young people. Abstinence-only education, which preached against the use of contraception and told kids to wait until marriage, was foisted on public schools. And that did a huge disservice to every fucking buddy. You cannot there and deny people actual knowledge about the basics of how their body works 
and expect them to be able to, you know, do anything about these things. You know, they're teenagers. They're going to experiment. And you can't expect them to, you know, not be coming up with dumbass questions like I've heard about, you know, can I get pregnant from giving a blowjob? Mm-hmm. We need real sex education back in schools. I digress. Back to the article. Purity rings and virginity pledges became trends, especially in Red America. That's another creepy thing of these girls making vows to their daddies. There's something wrong there. Okay. Sex shaming myth that sexually active women can't fall in love, that women are naturally modest, that female controlled contraception is abortion spread wildly. Hysterical and often false stories about youth sexuality created a national pan panic about hookup culture. The Bush administration kept blocking the legalization of emergency contraception. It may have started with the religious right, but the sex panic swept the country in the early 21st century. In retrospect, it makes a lot of sense because it was all happening as the millennials were coming of age. Unlike the relatively small Generation X, millennials had the numbers, and there's more of them than there are boomers. And therefore, we're expected to have real social power. Moreover, the girls had been raised in an era of girl power, and there was real reason to believe that this generation could grow up to be more egalitarian and feminist than any before. And we have. Um, recall, the average age of marriage and first childbirth was rising rapidly in the 21st century. Women were outnumbering men on college campuses. Unfortunately, such social progress often leads to an ugly backlash, and the abuse of spears in the public eye foreshadowed what was coming for millennial women writ large. The virginity fixation and shaming of premarital sex was a huge part of this. It was quite clearly about trapping millennial women with unplanned pregnancies and early marriage, as well as discouraging the use of birth control, a major tool young women need to finish college and get a good start in their careers. The perfect encapsulation of this at least until Trump ran on his woman-hating platform, was the way that Rush Limbaugh, may he not rest in peace, the embodiment of the worst kind of right-wing boomer, waged war on Sandra Fluke, a millennial law student who spoke out for insurance coverage of birth control. Even by his usual standards, Limbaugh's leering sexism was off the charts, unleashing 46 separate personal attacks on the young activist, calling her a slut and a prostitute, and demanding that she make sex tapes for his personal enjoyment. All because she spoke out for birth control, a service 99% of women who have sex with men will use at some point. And while sex was a centerpiece in this war on millennials, it was hardly the only front it was being fought on. The first couple of decades witnessed the rise of an entire anti-feminist industrial complex, it was geared largely around preventing millennial women from accessing the gains that were promised in their girl power youth. Anti-feminists, who are often older women exploiting sexist fears, like Christina Hoff Sumners and Caitlin Flanagan, penned well-publicized tomes declaring that it was boys who were the real victims of sexist oppression, and how girl power was ruining young women, and how women are secretly happier being housewives. Really? I, I know quite a few who are not. Um, this era also saw the rise of the men's rights movement, which has 
rapidly expanded into all manners of sexist hate communities from the incels to the Jordan Peterson fans to the Proud Boys. And for anybody who doesn't know what incels is, that's involuntary celibate. That's men who literally hate women for none of us being willing to fuck them. And the shit that they have on their forums is downright disgusting. I have literally found entire thesis papers that some of them have written about how they're entitled to rape women because they can't get laid on their own. To a large extent, this backlash worked, at least on a lot of millennial men. Polling shows millennials, especially white men, are more likely than Gen Xers to agree that husbands should be the primary authority in the family. Millennial men tend to reflexively view women as less intelligent than men, and they still expect their wives to do most of the housework. And while millennial men and women both less conservative are both less conservative than older generations, there is a persistent gender gap, with 44% of millennial men voting Republican compared to only 31% of millennial women. No wonder when the coronavirus hit, it was working mothers and not fathers who took most of the economic blow from scrambling for child care. Unsurprisingly, then, the press treatment of Spears set a template that is used to abuse women who are far less famous than she, especially in the age of social media. Gamergate, in which an angry and mostly male group of social media users unleashed relentless abuse on anyone perceived as feminist in gaming circles. It's the most prominent example, but the problem goes well beyond that. Women, for instance, are twice as likely to have experienced harassment on a dating app than men. Hell, I've experienced harassment on on games like playing cards and stuff like that. I've gone and, like, looked in my messages just to see if I had, you know, some free bonus points for some shit, and I see, you know, lists of notes from dudes I don't fucking know getting mad that they're talking to themselves in my inbox that I might look at twice a year and calling me snobby and shit for not replying yet to their sexual innuendo, to which case they end up getting replied with typically things like how they can suck my dick that I don't even have. But anyway, I digress. Um, The good news is, just as Spears is resisting her father's conservatorship over her, millennial women didn't cave to two decades of pressure to abandon feminism. A strong majority of millennial women say they are feminists. It was millennial women who spearheaded the anti-rape movement and now the Me Too movement that defined much of feminism in the first two decades of the 21st century. And it was millennial women who were instrumental in pushing the pussy grabber out of office, with 65% of them supporting Joe Biden in 2020 pre-election polls versus only 45% of millennial men. So ultimately... It makes a lot of sense that Britney's story resonates. Hers is an extreme situation, but one that reflects a lot of pressures on millennial women. Like her, they grew up to be hardworking and ambitious, only to find that society was far more interested in policing their sexualities and putting them down than celebrating their talents. Yes, the Free Britney movement is about helping this one movement, this one woman whose music clearly means a lot to people, But it's also a symbol for those in her generation who are fed up and ready to start claiming the equality and independence that was promised to them as their birthright.
that right there, I think, speaks volumes. And wow. she put it more eloquently than I could have, which is yeah, why I wanted to read that one. That's free. That one's going to take a while to digest because that's, I hadn't even considered that as a premise behind the Free Britney movement. I, I felt like that was more like, I don't know, it was almost easily dismissible as an artifact of pop culture, maybe, you know, that Sterling what? is in the building. Hello. Go ahead and introduce Hello. yourself, bud. Hello. Right. I am Sterling. Lord Sterling of somewhere. Has arrived. Yes. Of the cabin. My name is Sterling. <laughs> My pronouns are there. And then. <laughs> you have not accomplished room temperature. You are still exchanging oxygen. If you got the lo-fi for security reasons. For security reasons, dude. We are on lock. Indeed. All right. So uh, the last thing in women's rights, I always try to, you know, incorporate some kind of video or, you know, some kind of speech. This one is the before mighty... we before we launch in, before we launch in, I just want to thank Trisha for carrying this conversation as far as she did tonight. Agreed. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Because these are things that need to be discussed and I yes. hope this inspires some other conversations amongst the people out there watching. Agreed. Stretching brains. Fucking so solidarity. Our... Ladies and men. Hell <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, um, speaking of fucking solidarity, uh, we got some words from the, the one, the only, Angela Davis. Oh. Get on and thank you for putting this in there, Rob. This is beautiful. Oh, yeah, dude, for real. If the little circle of death goes away. Feminist approaches call for thinking things together that have been ideologically separated. How is it that we could have ever thought that it might be possible to achieve women's liberation while leaving behind indigenous women, Latina women, Muslim women, Asian American women, trans women. Why is it so difficult to recognize trans women as women? Even though even though we know that gender, and especially the binary structure of gender, is totally constructed. Historically, to take an example from US history, black women were not recognized as real women because they were too outspoken, too angry, not submissive enough. Thus, the 19th century cult of true womanhood, true womanhood was white, true womanhood was middle class, etc. Not acknowledging the heterogeneity of gender, cisgender, transgender, gender fluid, gender nonconforming, etc., disarms us. 
It prevents us from contesting violences that ultimately affect all of us. Black trans women in the US, at least, are the most consistent targets of violence, of individual violence, of stranger violence, of intimate violence, partner violence, also institutional violence, state violence, police violence, prison violence. Radical feminist approaches allow us to understand that issues that might appear initially to be minor and marginal have major, central, vast implications. Anybody got anything to say on that? Indeed. It just makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure half the country probably views her as some outrageous radical, but she's just basically saying what makes the most absolute sense to a person that at least respects virtue. I mean, those are truths to me, too. Well said. Yeah, man, there's, we're not there. There's a whole lot of people that are not hearing it. We're not there, man. Yeah. Think we can't achieve equality in any other fucking manner if we are not also achieving gender equality. And that means every gender, not just the two that the right wing would like to recognize, but all of the ones that nature and science recognize. XX, XY, XXX, XXY, XYY, and so on. And not just that, but those who feel body dysmorphia about the one they were born in. Yeah, I mean, these are not just uh, contrivances. They're it's way deeper than that ego. It's not just the societal structures have been based on these premises. It's, it's that plus some other real kind of Freudian shit. So... Yeah, man, I can't add more than that to it. What she said was on point. Absolutely. Amen. I guess that's going to bring us... Oh, Austin says hello. Hello to everyone watching and these wonderful people hosting. Hello, hello. Austin. <laughs> I wish that you could be hosting too. I miss you, bud. Yeah, miss you. Yep. Smooches. Smooches. Yep. <laughs> so I think that's going to take us into our next segment, right? Kissing? No. I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of how it works. Holy sometimes. fuck. So, uh, this one's Dean's specialty. So, um, I'm honestly just going to let you take it away, Dean. Yeah, right on. The There is a, the, the stimulus package um, after we talk about current vaccine. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, I was going to leave that one alone. Really, the, the the big piece that that I think people <clears throat> may or may not have heard about is that they released yesterday 
technically this morning, but yesterday they released the J&J vaccine. That's an 85% effective. It is not, uh, it is not the same type of, uh, it is not the same type of vaccination as the Pfizer and Moderna vaccination. It does not need special handling. Uh, again, it, 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 it's about 85% effective, which, which is, you know, I think maybe uh, might be off-putting to some folks at first, but that's, that's actually very good, especially compared to this quadrivalent seasonal flu vaccination that's circulating. Those are healthy and respectable numbers. Uh, I think they launched, they gave a, a million. I, I don't think we have anything in the presentation today about this, but I think a million doses were available as of this morning, and they have the ability to deliver up to 100 million within the next 100 days. So uh, question is and, and remains, how will that affect the uh, daily numbers? And frankly, not, not, not really all that. <laughs> it's not going to move the needle much, not, not, not for at least the next four to six months. Um, we're seeing some of those states that were calming down, they're ramping back up again. Texas is Texas is uh, 60, 68% day over day in the past three-day rolling average, and so are about 11 or 12 other states. So what, uh, what a number of us have feared may well be starting, which is the, which is the uh, uh, variants. The more virulent, the more, frankly, deadly, the more uh, symptomatic, more difficult system, those strains are starting to make themselves no, and they're beginning to increase. And uh, I, I, sorry guys, you know, I made this prediction, you know, and I'm still sticking with it. Uh, we may see the third wave much sooner than we should have. And we should have seen a third wave start maybe towards the back half of summer, mid August. I think that you will see a, a we will see a, the, 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 the foothold of a third wave maybe as possibly as early as May. So what that means is, uh, since we are already in a viral runaway infection condition at the moment, I mean, let's face it. I mean, besides, like things are opening up. Everybody's start. I told you this would happen. The weather's going to break. People are going to start to think, hey, it's, this is fine, right? The vaccine's out there. Everything's fine. And we're all going to feel as though it's over. In fact, it's going to be very difficult to believe that there's still a problem out there. But there is still between 60 and 75,080, four days ago, cases per day. That is, I'm sorry, that is a runaway viral, viral infection. And, and um, the only thing I can say is since... We cannot rely on legislature. We cannot rely on governance. We cannot rely on vaccine equitable and speedy vaccine distribution. Then you're on your own. It's every person for themselves. You are on your own. Take care of you. Take care of yours that you're responsible for. And since this is a human to human airborne transmitted disease, avoid humans if you can. That's how you're going to survive this. 
Well, and that's the end of my segment. They're trying to make it not even an option. You know, mm-hmm. there's kids already being made to go back to school in person. That is correct. My nieces have so far only been going to school in person two days a week recently. And as of next week, they're going back four days a week. And it's like, why are you putting all the super spreaders back around each other? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Real. there's a great many teachers that are standing up in front of 30 plus kids uh, without their vaccinations and completely unprotected. They don't even have a union to to protect them in some cases. So, so in, in terms of the uh, the stimulus bill, I just I, I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but I don't think that the press is doing an accurate job of telling us what's all in the bill they haven't mentioned anything about any sort of wall street aid um and i refuse to believe that with a 1.9 trillion dollar price tag that there is no wall street bailouts in it um it's also titled the american rescue plan and i mean 1400 is not being rescued uh frankly so anyway, basically all, all it does in terms of what actually does help people is kick the can down the road to September. And that's not adequate either. Well, I mean, honestly, I've lost hope in it being adequate. I mean, not to sound too something negative about it, but it just feels like you know, they're touting me, they're, they're holding these checks in front of us for months on end. And it's like the conversation is $1,400. I almost had it. I almost had it. Well, no, 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 no. It's 2000 2000 1400 When we give you that $1,800, that's great. You'll have 1600 And when, when that 1600 comes, you will be so grateful that you have $1,400 to go take to Walmart. Right who have profited immensely over the last year. I mean, the quicker you get there, the better, by the way, make haste to Walmart. Yeah. uh, Toilet paper will run out soon. And the money, the money that's going to K through 12 schools are allocated specifically to reopen and recover from shutdowns. Like how is he trying to do anything different than Trump? Short answer. He's not. You know, one of my army buddies, Dean, go ahead. You probably have something more profound to say than I do. I promise. Oh, I do not. Actually, I'm just going to be a smart ass and nobody needs that. No, 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 we need that, man. The world needs it. (laughs) I I honestly forgot what I I was going to say. What I was going to say was one of my... um, You got something to say, Sterling? Nah, nah, dude, we're good. We're good. There, there's rules, and I'm breaking them here. Stop. All right, good. I love you, bud. Okay. No, what I was going to say was um, one of my Army buddies uh, posted something about Biden dropping bombs in Syria, which is not surprising, honestly. I, I mean, I don't know why anyone's surprised by that. But he was saying... He was asking, where's the outcry from the left? Because, you know, we we all 
got real angry when when Trump was doing it or very vocal about it. And I told him that he just hasn't gone far enough left. He's seeing a lot of Biden supporters on his news feed. When you go far enough left, you get the guns back and you get to talk shit about the guy that's sitting in office right now. True. Join us on the left. We have shooty sticks. We have shooty sticks. You guys do. I don't have one of those. Marijuana. Yeah. Uh, now, Austin now said the, the COVID thing for not allowing people to be kicked out of their houses ends March 31st, which I'm sure some people won't even get their checks by then. And I didn't see a thing that about a, I didn't see a thing about that the extension on the uh, federal moratorium on evictions either. So, no, they're leaving it to the states. They're leaving it to the states. They're expecting the states to step up, and that's what they wanted. To, I mean, honestly, that's that's. I, I don't even think there should be states. I'm going to say it, but all right, Dan. a bunch of bullshit. All right. But, but I, honestly, well, you know, I don't. What I mean, come on. What do I need? Multiple layers of redundant government. I got to pay everybody and all the graft and corruption that is uh, the, the titles and styles that come with that. I'm, yeah. Fuck. And then we get to play bingo. Every four years with states. Right. <laughs> right. Somehow that determines right. the king. I don't know how we made this, but Sterling, after this is posted, I want to I want a clip of that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the system though, man. This is what we've been running on. <laughs> whole Bingo. Yeah, these beats are fine. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. That, that's that's the thing. Uh, uh, I think that they wanted to leave that to the states to be able to govern and manage that. And you know, whatever you know, you're on your own, guys. I told you, you're. It's every person for themselves. You, or you better take care of yourself and yours. But at least we get fourteen hundred dollars. That twelve hundred dollars is going to. I'm immediately get to Walmart with your nine hundred dollars. Man, I can't wait to go to Walmart with my $600. Your money. Your money. They negotiated with your money. They printed $6 trillion in one week and fed it into Wall Street. We got $1,200. Turn into Walmart. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, uh, I okay, so now we're in major political happenings. And I, I saw this article really intrigued me. Uh, Democrats want Biden to relinquish sole authority for nuclear launches. I think that they should need to get like a fucking council. If we're going to keep nuclear weapons, then we need to have like an entire council that makes that call, you know, and it has to be unanimous. Fuck this. One guy has the football. One guy can launch the nukes. No. Um, anyway, the president of the United States, always accompanied by a military aide carrying a satchel containing nuclear launch codes, the football, the nuclear football, has sole authority to order nuclear warfare or respond in kind to such an enemy attack. Now, lawmakers of the current president's own party are asking President Joe Biden to surrender that unilateral power. Giving one person such authority entails real risks, according to a letter endorsed by 31 Democratic members of the House. Past presidents have threatened to attack our countries with nuclear weapons or exhibited behavior 
that causes other officials to express concerns about the president's judgment. The letter led by representatives Jimmy, Pan Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Panetta and Ted Lieu, both from California, calls for officials such as the vice president and speaker of the house to concur with the launch order before it can be issued. My colleagues and I are requesting a straightforward review of our nation's nuclear command and control structure to determine how we can have a safer nuclear weapons launch authority. I mean, we could just get rid of it. Not to jeopardize, but to enhance and bolster our national security, said Panetta in a statement to VOA on Thursday. Based on our president's distinguished record and, on, and leadership on nuclear arms control, for our country's nuclear forces, we're recommending that he continue his thoughtful and professional analysis of ways for additional checks and balances within the nuclear command and control structure. Uh, why now? Why now? Well, because we've got one another epic grandpa whose brain is turning into oatmeal and he's sundowning. Yeah, this is a big problem, Biden. They let Trump have and every other... Yeah, uh, hey... Austin. What up, man? Go ahead. Probably just stop yourself. me. You stop me from, from another rant. So thank you. <laughs> Damn it. You're welcome. And I'm sorry to everyone else. <laughs> we enjoy your rants, Dean. Yes, very mm -hmm. much so. One of these days I'm gonna compile compile uh, compile an album of them. <laughs> We're just asleep. We called the Paxton Review. <laughs> the Paxton Chronicles. <laughs> I got no pills for you guys. <laughs> Thank you for coming, though. I'm really glad to see you. But no, I mean, I mean, now it's a problem. I, I think Rob nailed it. He summed up the whole piece. Well, you know, how about we just, how, how about we just de, just denuclearize, it? just just begin the, the 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 treaties, the premises in which we 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 remove these from our society, you know, globally, and instead of it's more what governance, more rules, or more 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 policy around. How the button gets pushed you know that there's a button is not the problem it's not the focus i think rob's absolutely correct in that respect and you know i think it's frankly kind of suspect it's super sus in fact that that that, that we let all of those other you know craven degenerates have the have the the button that carry with them at all times uh in, including the last craven degenerate but suddenly now it's now we need a fucking committee yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, it's I'm not interested. And no, you're we're talking about uh, decommissioning them or, or, or turning them into renewable energy. I'm not interested in hearing Your opinion's absolutely valid. Every time we add another layer of government, it becomes even more ineffective. Because that head of that snake is not communicating with this head of this snake, and it, it's just a fucking mess. Well, and I, I, think, I, I think what it I, is is. Go ahead, Austin. I think what it is is that 
it's like an infection and once something else is introduced to it it just becomes infected as well so the government's mm. already corrupt so anything you add to it is going to also become corrupt as well and not work for the people so may even be a power grab who who sponsored this i got to look into these guys i'll find it and look in I mean, why we needed nuclear weapons. We came out with them to flex our muscle during what? World War Two, was it? Correct. That's when we dropped the atom bomb. So, I mean, Correct. what is the sense? Everybody knows we are the strongest country as in military wise, because we spend the most, obviously. Uh, now, the largest manned military is not us that's probably china but the the pro the thing is we no longer have to flex that muscle i mean we don't even have to flex a muscle of we have as many people as we do because now we have robots able to fight our wars for us i mean lately we've seen that uh what was it new york had that robot dog in the streets and if, if New York Police Department has a robot dog in the streets, what does the military have? And rant. <laughs> um, I didn't from... know that we had robot dogs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I didn't know that we had robot dogs. Uh, yeah, welcome to hell. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> From the perspective of somebody that's been in the post 9-11 United States military, you'd be surprised at how how often the government buys the cheapest thing they can. Well, so I, it's I, a knockoff I mean, robot dog. Well, what that jet that we that failed that they put, I think it was like one point four trillion dollars into or one. 1.6 trillion dollars into something uh, the, like that what could have that yeah it, it was something ridiculous and that, that it just totally failed it fell through and they just spend money on the military on not even the troops which i think that the troops should get better treatment than they do you know but they spend it on just outrageous stuff that just fails all the time we know that they buy uh, products off these corporations are upmarked by hundreds and thousands of percent ju just so they can basically hand money back and forth to one another and rant. <laughs> it's a circle jerk. It's a circle jerk, dude. Yeah. Is it always uh, a fucking <clears throat> circle jerk, man? So it's one. It's one gigantic double Dutch rudder and nobody's getting off. <laughs> we got to fix that. We got to fix that. With some so, new beats. The other thing, I, I think this is the only other thing that I had to uh, throw into this section is Russia is saying the U.S. only gave a few minutes warning before the strike in Syria. Um the strike in Syria shouldn't have fucking happened to begin with. Bring the fucking troops home and the and the fucking wars. It's beyond time to rein in our military. We are not the world police. Okay. We need to. And the wars. 
fucking end the wars, man. I mean, r- recently Bernie Sanders said, uh, if you keep on doing this, how do you expect to, uh, you know, stop the fighting in the Middle East and everything like that? I mean, it, it, that's true. Like, we, we're not going to stop it because there we have oil over there. There's poppy fields over there. There's things of value that corporations and the government can make money off of over over there. I mean, we need to get out of the oil. We need to uh, stop the war on drugs. And I think that would help immensely, both of those things. We need to stop electing Democrats and Republicans, especially returning people. I mean, I, I yeah. really don't understand why people are surprised that he dropped a bomb in Syria. This is the same guy that sent me to Afghanistan to guard fucking poppy fields. Like, it, it, he's the, it's the same, same basic beast that, that went into fucking <clears throat> Benghazi in Libya and stirred up a bunch of shit and then couldn't even be couldn't even be bothered to go in when the embassy was being overrun. That's who we elected. I think it will change I don't know about we. if we we uh, make the rich go fight the wars instead of the poor. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for real. I'd like to quote a band, but I won't, you know. Nah, I was <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. Are you talking about the mighty Sabbath? No, I'm talking. I I think it's Rage Against the Machine. Or a system of a down. They're all saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're all right. (laughs) You're all fortunate, son. I just wish more people would realize it. And it's hard for it's hard for poorer people to not fight wars because they offer them money. They offer them free colleges. They offer them health care. And, you know, they prey on innocent teens when truthfully your, your mind doesn't truly develop fully until you're 25 years old. So that should be literally, you shouldn't be able to join the military until you're 25 years old. You know, because what does a 16-year-old truly know about life of war or even life in general, you know? John, I'm going to let you speak to that one. Come on. Yeah, Don. I'll let you, I'm going to let you weigh in on that one. That's a good point. It has an answer, but you guys might not like hearing it. Personally, and this, this might lose me some clout with this group. I'm glad I joined the army at 17. My life, if I would have stayed in Tawas where I was doing what I was, I'd be in, I'd be in fucking jail at least. I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't have enough hands to count how many of my friends, how many of the people that I grew up with in this area are either dead from overdose or in jail. I, I, and to me, it wasn't it wasn't that I was preyed on by a recruiter. I saw I I 
found the recruiter myself and asked him, Hey, I want to get out of here. I want to join the army because it was simply something I knew I had to do. That being said, what a 16 year old knows about war, nothing. I, I was not necessarily prepared for combat when I went to Afghanistan. I mean, we prepared, we trained, I, my, my muscles knew what to do. I knew what to do, but, um, it doesn't make a difference if you're 25, 17, 18, 25, 30. It doesn't make a difference. You're not going to be mentally prepared for combat. That's uh, just my two cents. Since I put uh, you on the spot. No, I put you on the spot. And since I did it, so put you on the spot, I'll, I'll lay my shit down too. You do not, you know, we don't want to proliferate war. We don't want to become aggressors, right? I don't think anybody within earshot of my voice is advocating that we be some sort of a psychotic bunch of lunatics that 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 essentially just uh, starts war for 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 the gain of uh, Wall Street or whatever, right? But at the same time, we do have to, we do, I think it is appropriate for anyone, any country, especially any country to defend themselves. And you, frankly, you don't, you don't want 25 year old, soft headed, strong willed people who've figured out the world. You want, you want literally muscle bound lunatics that you can control just about enough to hold a gun and not shoot the shit out of each other. You really want some badass motherfuckers protecting your country. That's my, that's my belief to that. You know, I will add one last, one last thing to this. Um, sadly, we are always as a species, as a people, as a country, as Ever. We're going to need to be able to defend ourselves at some point because yep. true evil exists. It, it really does. And it's easy to forget that we live in a, and I use this term very loosely and very, very relatively, but we live in a relatively safe area of the world in a relatively safe point in time. Internationally speaking, yes, I'd agree with that. And I don't think that we are suffering greatly under the threat of invasion at the moment. And you can say what you want about China, but I don't think that that they or, or us are intending to invade anything. In fact, I would argue that we probably overestimated as a culture, maybe not internationally, but we've overestimated China's ability, capability, and threat to us, or to anyone for that matter. If you're not saying the same thing about India, just because of the sheer magnitude of the, the amount of people there, then you're, you're, you're not looking at this from a right brain, in my opinion. Well, and people forget that India, India and Pakistan are both nuclear superpowers that hate each other, share a border. Yes, they are, and I'm going to tell you something too. There, there's, there, there is several places where uh, the Chinese and the and the Indians are not too comfortable with each other either. So, anyway, onward. I, 
I was just mentioning uh, China because of uh, their large army that they have. I mean, India, yes, they have a large army also. And I don't know if anybody said anything, but Don, we could never be upset with you. That's correct. <laughs> so, I mean, I, how I put it, I put it as I support the troops, but I do not support the military. So you were a troop. You weren't actually the military. You're not the head. You know, you, you were just uh, a bystander, a product of what they did, not a controller of what they did, if, if that makes sense. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, none of us are shot callers. No, no one on this call or listening to this call is a shot caller in that, in that perspective. And I agree. No, and I also am a veteran, so and I don't feel as though, and I I don't know about Don, but I don't feel as though my status as a veteran entitles my opinion to any greater consequence than anyone else's. In fact, I abhor when I see that happening in conversations or with people. Hey, I'm a veteran, and suddenly everybody, oh well, what you said is important or whatever. No, I, just because I'm a veteran doesn't mean that I know what the fuck I'm talking about, or that my opinion is more important than anyone else's. It's not doesn't give me a, any further virus I'm concerned it doesn't give me a, a, a voice or a greater audience or, or, or entitles me to more respect no that was my choice and and I'm not gonna lord that over anybody on Facebook or in real life either when I when I first got out of the army I, I felt guilty of doing that but I'm older now hopefully a little wiser Yep. I I judge the person for their actions now, not for the actions they did earlier in their life. We can all change and become better people and make better choices. And I'm not saying that people sh- shouldn't join the military because that's some of people's only options to get out of an area that is drug filled or out of even poverty or, you know, there's many situations that people are put into, but it's not your fault. It's, it's the government's fault. It's, uh, it's what's happened throughout the time that has made your area and many areas, if not all areas like that. So. I maintain and will continue to maintain that if you are considering the military, if you're within the earshot of my voice and it's crossed your mind, abandon it. Don't do it. Um, are we ready to move on to international stuff? Are we ready? Yes. You're born ready, brother. <laughs> so Make it um, so... We talked about on Thursday that uh, there had already been deaths reported as Myanmar police cracked down on protesters. Um, This article is two days old, and as of 5 p.m. two days ago uh, in Myanmar, there had been at least 19 confirmed deaths in nine cities with another 10 deaths unconfirmed, um, and at least 30 were wounded. 
That would be the highest single day death toll among protesters who are demanding that the escalated government or elected government, sorry, be restored to power after being ousted by a February 1st coup. Uh, deaths reportedly occurred as a result of live ammunition fired into crowds. Um, that's according to the UN Human Rights Office. Uh, we strongly condemn the escalating violence against protests in Myanmar and call on the military to immediately halt the use of force against peaceful, peaceful protesters. Again, that's from the spokesperson of the UN Human Rights Office. Um, these, these death tolls came from the Democratic Voice of Burma. Uh, it's an independent media company in Myanmar. Uh, they broadcast on satellite and digital television as well as online. I don't know why I plugged them like that, because realistically, I doubt they broadcast in English. But anyway, the uh, UN envoy also strongly opposes the military coup. I'm not going to read as much as I had drawn out in this, but it can be summed up in a couple of quotes is the point. Um, it is time for the military to immediately relinquish power and release those who are detained. Uh, it is not acceptable in this modern world and the coup must cease. We will continue to fight for a government which is of the people, by the people, and for the people. His voice cracking, uh, who, who is that? Uh, Toon, Ambassador Toon. That's who all, these, all, all of these quotes are from. His voice cracking, he ended his statement by addressing people back home in Burmese and raised a three-finger salute that has been adopted by the anti-coup movement. Um, Toon's surprise statement not only drew applause from or, but commendations from speaker after speaker at the assembly, including ambassadors representing the European Union, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, and the new U.S. ambassador. She joined others in describing the speech as courageous, powerful, and brave. Um, the labor, and then uh, India released another political prisoner, labor rights activist Nodeep Kaur. I don't know if I said that right or not. I'm going to open the article real quick just to see if there's... Yeah, it hasn't been updated. Okay. I was hoping maybe there would be more updates. But that's that's pretty much all I have out of India. What was the uh, three-finger salute? I don't know where it comes from, but they are using it as a uh, sign of camaraderie, I guess it, I guess you would say, um, as part of the... Do you know what it was? I don't know. Was it like this? Or is it like a Boy Scout salute? Is it that? I don't know. Like this. Okay. It's, it's pretty clear now. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, so the next one Trisha put in here, uh, it's about Pelosi calling out MBS and says America must reevaluate the relationship with Saudi Arabia. The intelligence report, which had been blocked from release by the Trump administration, was finally released with evidence proving Saudi Arabia is killing journalists for speaking the truth. Actually, it kind of blows my mind that this hasn't been talked about more. Um, but Trisha, you put this in here, so I'm assuming you got some things to say. Um, 
sound really muffled. Huh? Oh, well, I heard that clear. Can you hear me okay? I can now. Okay. Um, basically, work finally released. This had been blocked from release by the Trump administration, and it was finally kicked out. Um, on the assassination of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, I hope I didn't destroy that name right there. Um, it's from the intelligence community. It confirms what the world has long known. That he was brutally murdered at the direction of top Saudi officials, including Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Um, it he had said was this heinous event is an affront to the rule of law and to the most basic understanding of human rights. And in there, at least for once, she is not wrong. Um, hell, this shouldn't have even been blocked from public knowledge. This is not the first time that journalists have been killed overseas simply for investigating and publishing truth about things that were happening there. Um, and right now, what they're calling for is for the United States government to reevaluate the relationship with Saudi Arabia, um, seeing how there's this disturbing pattern of human rights abuses coming from the kingdom. Uh, now, when the crown prince himself, when there's evidence for that, that he himself was involved in ordering the murder of this journalist, we have a huge issue there. There's no excuse for murdering people simply because you don't like what the fuck they're exposing going on in your country. Yeah, amen. So, I don't agree. Do you uh, have anything else to say on that, or do you want to move on to Power of the Strike? We can move on to Power of the Strike. I just wanted to make bring people's attention to that because uh, all the other things that are happening right now um, and that's important that uh, journalists I don't care what country you're from or where you're reporting from you should have a first amendment right you know or something like for being an honest journalist Alright, so we are moving on to Power of a Strike. It's everybody's favorite, right? Oh, yes. Sterling's beats are my favorite, man. Um, So I haven't seen anything about this since it happened, but Saturday, February 27th, the People's Organization for Progress had a demonstration in support of the Amazon Workers Union Drive. They uh, planned to assemble at 12 noon for a march that started at the Lincoln statue in Newark, New Jersey. And they were marched from there to Whole Foods Market. Remember, Whole Foods is a subsidiary of Amazon. They should arrive at Whole Foods at about 1 p.m. The protesters uh, picketed in front of Whole Foods while listening to speeches from labor and community activists, including Charles Hall, president of the local 108 and Lawrence Hamm, chairman of the People's Organization for Progress. The protesters uh, were set to march back to the Lincoln statue, and they have a number for more information, but it already happened, so I mean, anyway. 
Um, that's really all I have for power of a strike this week. There doesn't seem to be much going on. Um, of course, I'm going to plug the, the general strike that's been called. I think it was by yellow vests um, initially, but you know, March or yeah, March 15th. Um, anyway, moving on to climate change. Um, there's always, unfortunately, news for this segment. Um, European forests are becoming more vulnerable to insect outbreaks. And I'm worried that we're only going to see more of this as the planet gets warmer. Um, a tiny creeping menace is threatening forests across Europe, and scientists believe climate change is a big part of the problem. New research finds that European forests have become more vulnerable to insect pest outbreaks over the last four decades, and especially since the year 2000. The study used a combination of on-site observations, satellite data, and models based on machine learning technology to investigate the way European forests are responding to climate-related uh, disturbances. They focused on three major threats, wildfires, insect outbreaks, and wind throws, or strong winds that can rip up trees by the roots. Led by Giovanni Forzieri, a scientist with the European Commission's Joint Research Center, the researchers looked at data stretching back to 1979. They tracked the amount of biomass lost following each disturbance. Overall, the study finds that nearly 60% of Europe's forests may be vulnerable to insects, wildfires, and wind throws. But in general, wildfires tend to kill off most of the trees, followed by wind throws and finally insect outbreaks. Uh, but the response to wildfires and wind throws hasn't changed much over the last few decades, while forests have become more vulnerable to insects over time. The research also shows that wildfires and wind throws have a greater impact in some places than in others. Wildfires are more damaging in drier places where water stress is a growing problem, such as Italy and Southern Europe. Wind throws are more damaging in the Balkans where a combination of increasing precipitation and stronger winds may make it easier to topple trees. Insect outbreaks, on the other hand, are causing more damage almost everywhere across the continent. Rising temperatures are a likely culprit the researchers theorize. The study doesn't prove there's a link, but the scientists note that higher heat can cause plants to lose water faster, making them less resilient to environmental disturbances. This extra stress may make it harder for trees to bounce back when an outbreak occurs. Other studies have found that water stress is an important factor in the severity of bark beetle outbreaks. The biggest changes have happened since the year 2000. The researchers described that as the tipping point a threshold possibly linked to continental warming beyond which forests became slightly, or not slightly, significantly less resilient to pests. Anybody got anything to say to that? Negatory. Negatory ghost rider. All right. Well, I got a uh, an article about how climate change may influence deadly avalanches. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Big dumps okay. of powder snow are a precious gift in the best time or in the best of times around the West, where forty or fifty <laughs> feet can fall during the winter. 
forming frozen mountain water towers that slowly melt and sustain the region through hot, dry summers with life-giving water. When the snow falls faster than the mountains can hold it, though, big storms can also be deadly. During the uh, first week of February, uh, avalanches killed 14 people across the United States, the highest weekly avalanche death toll in more than 100 years. Halfway through the season, 31 have died across the nation this winter, more than the annual average of 27 deaths. This week, the danger zone shifted from the Rocky Mountains to the Pacific Northwest, where an atmospheric river has prompted avalanche experts to hoist red flag danger warnings for life-threatening snow slides in mountain regions, regions from Seattle to Juneau. The series of wet storms slopping ashore could deliver a lethal mix of rain and snow in a region where global, global warming is expected to increase certain types of avalanche risks. Some of the climate factors contributing to this year's dangerous conditions could be exacerbated by changes consistent with climate projections for the Mountain West, including extreme temperature swings early in the season that make snow layers less cohesive and longer dry spells punctuated by more intense storms. Midwinter rains can also build slick ice layers and more dust layers can also destabilize the snowpack. Yeah, it's, uh, I had never even thought about how global warming would affect avalanches, but I have noticed that weather patterns all across the planet have shifted or are shifting. So, I mean, we're seeing stronger storms everywhere. It only makes sense that a mountain can only hold so much before it comes tumbling to the bottom. Yeah. But yeah, that thought had never even crossed my mind and that's why I wanted to throw it in there and discuss it. The reason I laughed is the uh, snow in the West just makes me think of Texas and privatized power and not that children dying in their beds is funny, but. No, we get you, though. We get you. Yeah. So uh, this should be everybody's favorite section, especially for all the anti-fascists, you know, that, <coughs> that may pop in from time to time. And the anti-boss super sluts. Welcome. <laughs> To the super slut segment. Here we are. That was live. Jesus fuck. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Don, uh, I know that you wanted to talk about this first story in here. And I, I just want to preface the entire thing by saying that if you are triggered by situations like what happened to George Floyd, um, you should probably go ahead and mute this for the next several minutes, but, uh, go ahead, Don. Okay. So where, where to even begin? What I'm going to share with you today happened on the 25th of February um, in the year 2021, recently, in fact. Um, 
sometime around our last stream, either during the, our last stream or um, the day after. <clears throat> actually, no, I'm wrong. I'm reading. I'm reading the article right now. This actually happened on December 23rd, but it hit the news on February 25th. Okay, a 30-year-old Navy veteran. Um, my age, Rob's age, 30-year-old Navy veteran was having a, an episode of paranoia. Um, his, his family was worried about him, so they did what Americans are supposed to do in those situations. They, they attempted to calm him down, and they called the police because that's what you're supposed to do. And the police showed up to the home of 30-year-old Angelo Quinto. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put his picture up here because I want you guys want you guys to see him. One second, I need to expand some things so I can screen share. I want you guys to see this man's face as I tell you this. The police showed up to the home of 30-year-old Angelo Quinto, came into the house, found his mother holding him on the floor, hugging him, saying it was going to be okay. They moved his mother away. I'm honestly not quite sure how physical they got with her. Um, but they, they separated him from his mother, pinned him to the floor, put him in cuffs, and then kneeled on this man's neck for five minutes. For a, a mental health check. They, they cuffed him and kneeled on his neck for five minutes. He was taken to the hospital shortly afterwards, and then three days later, he, he died in that hospital. Um, his mother said that they called the police because that's what you're supposed to do. They're supposed to be there to help. They, they, they're supposed to be the ones that, you know, take you to the mental hospital. And they showed up and killed him because they weren't properly trained in how to handle that situation because they went in thinking that this man, this 30 year old man who was having a, a mental health emergency, a crisis, this man was in crisis and they went in there thinking he was going to be a threat to them and everyone in the house and they killed him. Be it due to a lack of training on how to properly restrain a, a, um, a suspect, an individual, because he, he was not a suspect of anything. He was in a crisis. Be it due to lack of training on how to restrain somebody or maliciousness, I don't know. But the, these people need to, they need to be brought to justice for this. How many times, how many times have we seen 
the the police respond and it it goes from a situation that can be resolved to a situation where somebody's fucking dying just read an article about the very same activity uh in fact a, a veteran under duress doused himself in gasoline his wife called the police afraid that he was going to catch himself or the house or her on fire they came tased him caught him on fire and burned the house down and killed it guys i just gotta say if if you are a veteran in crisis please please if your family member is a veteran in crisis please reach out to the veterans crisis center before you do anything else Dial that phone number, put them on the phone. Those people want to help. And they, they've got more training with mental health problems than most of our police do. That's really all I got to say on this. Thank you, Dean. You're welcome. And anyone can actually call this number, but if you're a veteran, reach out to 800-273-8255. While I got the microphone, I will shout out to my friend, my my brother from another mother, Hank Dixon. So I uh, realize that we have kind of forgotten about the comments for a while. There was a whole conversation about Myanmar that we missed. But um, Natalie said she shared that story across many groups. That man and the family need justice. And uh, Emily said it took how long for this to make news? And I think that we should point that out again. It happened in December. December 23rd. It happened before Christmas and wasn't reported on until February 25th. Why is that? That's a good question. Uh, It sounds like the family finally reached out to the media because the story is almost entirely talking to the mother and the attorney. Um, But they are are suing the city. Um, So we'll have to keep an eye on that. I don't know, man. I'm just like, if it happened to me or my kin, I'd be like next 10, within the next 10 days, everybody fucking knows. Yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying there weren't reasons on their end, probably litigation. I mean, if they were trying to sue, maybe that would, uh, you know, make things difficult. But to me, highest rooftop, you know. Uh, James Bullshit. said, this is very bad. They need trained or not sent out until they are properly trained and properly mm-hmm. equipped. Um, I agree. I also added in the comments, and I'm going to say it again, just to reiterate it, uh, that we need community control of the police, period. No excuses. We need proportional representation in that. We need police from their own community. Um, No more oversight boards that have no power. That shit don't work. We know it don't work. We've tried it too many fucking times. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not normally normally bad news, Hughes. That was a lot of bad news. It was. That was a lot of bad news, Don. Uh, go ahead, Trisha. 
I'd just like to add what you're saying, if not community oversight over the actual cops. anybody or anything like that. His mother was trying to calm him down. He was having a moment of trauma. Um, he needed a mental health specialist. And so maybe they need to follow suit on what um, Denver and I believe it was Austin, Texas uh, have done where they're actually reallocating the funds, defunding the fucking police and putting that money to use with actual mental health specialists to go out and handle situations like this because that man could still be alive if he'd seen a therapist out there that night instead of fucking cops yeah defunding the police works there's precedence for that there's absolutely precedence for that they've done it in denver they have done it in austin they're taking or they're about to do it in detroit they're taking yes, they are they're, they're taking different approaches in each city, but the point is, is where it's already happening, it's working. Yes, just like we knew it would. Exactly. And it only cost us a few lives. So we can bad news it if we want, but the reality is I think it's great news. I think that is the light that is that we're going to have to crawl towards. And we're going to have to crawl through blood and broken glass and shit. And it's, and it's going to suck. And some of us aren't going to make it. But I think we will, we will emerge into the light whereby we are, we are where policing becomes more aid, more service to the community rather than a gang with another uniform. Yeah. So the next uh, article, and I'm going to use this as, as an excuse to talk about this trial more. The Minneapolis City Council approves mutual aid and community outreach plans for Chauvin trial. And they should not be calling this mutual aid or community outreach. This is fucking garbage. Um, they're trying to control the narrative on the trial. Um, I, I would argue that this is nothing more than propaganda. They're going to have people on social media pushing the truth as dictated by the city of Minneapolis. Gee, I wonder what they're going to say. This is the same city that has set up barricades weeks ahead of the trial. Jury selection is said to begin on March 8th, and they already have barricades in place. The trial is not expected to start until March 29th. They already have barricades in place. They know what's going to happen. They're not even trying to hide it. But they're going to have mutual aid in community organizing. Come on, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Um, for those that don't remember who Chauvin is, he's a former Minneapolis police officer. He is being charged with the murder of George Floyd. Ahead of the trial, city leaders have made detailed security plans in an effort to avoid possible rioting seen last summer after Floyd's death. Friday, the council voted 11 to 2. Talk about a gap. Wow. 
to allow the Minneapolis Police Department to enter into mutual aid agreements with at least 14 law enforcement agencies costing up to one and a half million dollars. The agreements would go into effect on March 1st. Um, that's today, so I guess it's probably in effect. Council members Jeremiah Ellison and Cam Gordon both dissented. Uh, good, reelect those two, wipe out the others. Fucking seriously. Our hope is the number of days that we need these officers will be very short, said city coordinator Mark Ruff during the council meeting. That it will be a trial where there is peaceful expression of First Amendment rights and not destruction or other types of illegal activities that would require those officers to be around for numerous days. So basically what he is pushing is the narrative that fucking property is more important than lives. They still haven't learned the lesson. The council voted unanimously to authorize contracts for up to nearly $1.2 million with community groups that will focus on de-escalation and communication. This also includes paid partnerships with local social media influencers who can help dispel rumors. According to Ruff, the city will put out a request for proposals starting next week. The city uh, hopes to have contracts with community organizations finalized by the end of March. And as I already said, jury selection is set to begin next Monday with the trial expected to start on March 29th. So they're using influencers on social media as a, a an arm of the state's propaganda machine. That's what you're saying. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Beautiful. Yeah, it's... It's got awful, right? Um, all right, so McConnell, uh, I, I'm not gonna talk about this too much, but we're, we're just gonna have an open discussion about his turtle ass in a minute here. I'm telling you, you gotta stop. You gotta stop calling him a turtle. That's an insult to turtles. They're beautiful creatures. Um. Before I get into this article, though, Nathan Hank said, serious crazy note, my wife is washing the shower curtain. This can't be I, real life. <laughs> I saw that. You got to wash those, man. Sometimes they get mildew. You, you just got to spray I, it I, out. I, I, I thought just, it was funny, and I wanted to share that with him. No, I, I told you know what? I, I, I asked him to come on. <laughs> come on from the shower. And that is, by the way, um, would be a welcome addition especially considering the next topic dude in the shower yeah well, yeah, yeah i've told you about him that's the homie i'm i'm glad you've joined us nathan i'm glad dean finally got you to join us now I'm get glad, on the panel i'm glad you got rid of the <laughs> that worked oh my god thank goodness okay i've i've got the wired earbuds in now yeah they we need sound equipment. great sound 100 percent great um, okay anyway cool. so, i have no clue what the bus was but hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah me either uh, but mcconnell Giggity. says that he would absolutely support trump as the gop's 2024 nominee after uh, earlier this month he called trump's role uh, well not this month it was last month i'm sorry it's march now uh, McConnell last month called Trump's role in the January 6th riot as a disgraceful dereliction of duty. But 
the, uh, the other day, he said, well, there's a lot to happen between now and 24. I've got at least four members that I think are planning to run for president, plus some governors and others. There's no incumbent. It's a wide open race and should be fun for you all to cover. That's my Mitch McConnell impression. It's probably terrible, but you know. No, man, you did really good. <laughs> you sounded just like him. Uh, I'll just take whether... a moment to point out what I said the other day in response to this, which is I ain't never seen a fucking turtle flip flop so hard. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, usually when they flip, they I get see, stuck. I see the expression, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, turtles too, but so he, he makes me think of the dude from the movie. Turtle, yeah. turtle. Yeah. Oh my God. The master of disguise is the movie you're thinking of. And yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Thank you. Um, I brain fart names sometimes. You know this. <laughs> but he was asked whether Turtle. he would support Trump, who has hinted at a second run if he became the Republican nominee. McConnell said, absolutely. Republican Senators Josh Hawley of, uh, Hawley, sorry, of Missouri and Tom Cotton of Arkansas, as well as Nikki Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., have also been mentioned as potential candidates. But I, I also threw in a quote from, you know, back when he said that it was a disgraceful dereliction of duty. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. The people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. Man, you can't make this shit up. No, you can't. It's, it's too good. They didn't just believe they were acting on his orders. They were acting on his orders. His orders were just unethical, illegal, and fucking wrong. <laughs> it doesn't excuse it. It doesn't fucking excuse it. If you were in the military and one of your superiors gave you a really fucked up order, you know, should you follow that or no? Um, and, actually, you know, actually no. let me answer that for you real quick. If you're in the military and one of your superiors gives you a unlawful order, it is not only your right, but it is your duty to not follow that order. Bingo. Thank you. That, that right there is precisely what I was getting at. And these are motherfuckers that ain't even made any kind of um, contract with the president or any other fucking representative of the government or military, they're just fucking buffoons who wanted to incite some violence and use this as an excuse. And just because you're following another violent jackass who for some fucking reason got into an office he didn't deserve doesn't justify your actions. You know, you're wrong and doing that shit. You know, you know, you didn't have a legitimate reason to go storming in there. You're crying because you lost a fucking election. Oh, just a moment. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I, th I believe that. Hold on, just one minute. I think Cocaine Mitch has Go something to say. Let's let's just <laughs> hold on. There's co there's Cocaine, cocaine Mitch too. Oh, oh wow. shit. No, I think the video is frozen. Hold on. You know? <laughs> is this when he discovered that unlimited him. power? 
Gosh, I, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong, but uh, he's just not, he's frozen. Sorry. Well, maybe I we'll come back. the Senate. Love that. I love it. Well, you know what? What do you expect? I mean, yeah, yeah, he is a dirt bag. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Flip-flopping ass motherfucker that every which way he turns, whatever direction he changes his fucking opinion in, serves only to salvage his own fucking head from the chopping block with his party and his constituents and if it wasn't obvious already, motherfuckers, whoever you are out there voting for McConnell's old ass to keep fucking keeping a seat that he don't deserve either, vote him out. He's been in there long enough fucking shit up. Amen to that. Are we ready to move on to the next section, which is your section anyway, actually, Trisha? Uh, well, give me a second to open the tablet back up because the backlight turned out. There we um, go. To, answer, to answer a question in the comments, um, James, yeah, he did say he was going to go with him. He said he would march right down there with him, and he mm-hmm. didn't. Well, of course not. Right. He was on the floor <laughs> of the Senate at the time. No, 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 not that no, was no, in Trump. reference to Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Tr- gotcha. Right. Yes, Trump did yeah. say that, and then he got in his fucking motorcade and went back to the White House and watched it on the news. Dean, are you sure that was a video of Mitch McConnell and not I a video just, of no, I just Dick froze. Cheney? I'm sorry. I, I still think it might have been Dick Cheney, but we'll mm. edit that in post. Oh, fair enough. No, Put a link not. in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> that one at least looked like McConnell. So, you know. Anywho. On so the evangelicals are, are trying to cancel Blue's Clues. For recognizing right okay okay <laughs> we're here oh, yeah. for recognizing okay, the always backfires on these dumbasses they keep trying man they fuck with pop culture and it always blows up in their face and they keep fucking doing it anyway <laughs> but at least it makes for entertainment granted you know <laughs> totally fucking bigoted but yeah. <laughs> You can't help but laugh at these motherfuckers. Otherwise, you lose your sanity. One million moms, the evangelical astroturf group funded by the American Family Association, a certified anti-LGBTQ hate group, appears to have taken a break from being outraged by an extremely offensive commercial on electric cars and dolls with fictional family members. Now, they're focused on those evil, sinful, pride-laced English language letters. The Nickelodeon show, which is a reboot of the 96th show, Blue's Clues, posted a video to YouTube with a song about the alphabet, and the song said that P stands for pride. The letters float across the screen several times before the song gets to the letter P, but the P is in a rainbow flag colors and trans flag colors, along with the brown and black stripes for the rainbow flag, because their P has that much pride. The first thing that came to my mind was P is for pride when I got the script, said animator Sammy W.S. Chan. Uh, 
I am so excited that all y'all are as happy as I am. I also did all the letters and graphics for this episode to be as inclusive as possible for Black History Month. In an unsurprising twist, One Million Moms director Monica Cole caught wind more than two weeks after its airing and suddenly launched a petition deriding Nickelodeon, a children's television network under the CBS Viacom conglomerate, for forcing the LGBTQ agenda on families and children. I'm going to interrupt myself real quick just to point out what fucking LGBTQ agenda... What agenda? Do you see us coming and knocking on your door and proselytizing to you the good word of Elton John? Motherfucker? Fuck off. Um, okay. Anyway. Come on, I quote, people. Get all those little boys in dresses. <laughs> Start <laughs> to march them down you to mean, the elementary school. You mean school. like some of, <laughs> some of our former presidents <laughs> who we have photos of in dresses? Because up until the past century, that was totally the norm that boys wore dresses too until about the age of seven or eight. But I digress. Um, I mean, that was then, art. Okay. <laughs> and so like these, right? these quotes, dude. <laughs> the entire rest of the fucking piece that I that I like highlighted is all quotes because you can't make this shit up. Right. So let us continue with these incredibly fucked quotes because they're great. <laughs> And I quote, it is apparent that this ne- this network continues to indoctrinate children by exposing them to the LGBTQ lifestyle and presenting it as normal. First of all, bitch, bitch Cole, I am addressing you. Okay. Indoctrination is the shit you're trying to do of trying to tell kids that there's something wrong with them for being who the fuck they are. Second of all, being LGBTQ is not a lifestyle, you fucking digressive cunt. You don't choose to be gay. You are fucking born gay. Lifestyle is, do I prefer to live on the fucking beach or in the woods? So, suck the dick I don't even have, bitch cope. Okay? Next quote, with such a liberal push in children's educational entertainment, it is obvious where Nickelodeon stands. This pride-laced ABC song makes it clear that Nickelodeon has an LGBTQ agenda that it is strongly forcing on really young audiences. There's no agenda, dumbass. There is none. It, it, we exist. We have the right to exist. Your agenda is to try to shame us into going back into the closet and it'll never happen, bitch Cole. The Front for the Hate group not only asks supporters to signal that they, quote, don't agree with the LGBTQ agenda that doesn't exist, and to, quote, not support Nickelodeon as long as the network veers away from family-friendly entertainment, but to push their friends to do the same. Motherfucker, what about this is not family-friendly? How many parents out there are LGBTQ? Raise your hand. How many children out there, teens, preteens, whatever, are already aware that you are on that spectrum? Because you know yourself better than this fucking stranger who would like to judge you for her own ill-conceived, you know, notions there. Being family-friendly means being friendly to all families not just conservative ones who are too uptight to admit that they're probably gay. Because I'll tell you, that's typically what it is when somebody is that vehemently homophobic 
that motherfucker's usually in the closet. And every time they're pointing that finger at you, they got three more pointing back at themselves. So uh, just so you know, there's been a steady stream of heart reacts in the comments through this this whole piece. So let me let me switch hands so I put that up with the correct one. There we go. <laughs> so uh, hell yes, it, this is kind of hard for me to wrap my mind a, around. Seriously, this this group. Nobody's trying to push an agenda. Being inclusive is not pushing a fucking LGBTQ agenda in any way. Um, they are presenting it as normal because it is. And right. frankly, this bitch can go fuck herself. I do have an agenda right. to push, item to push. Um, I do want to bring attention to the fact that the Captain Hank has joined us naked from the shower. He is about to expose himself <laughs> to raw flint water. <laughs> well, sir, thanks for thanks for joining. Oh no, shit! Glad to be here. I, I was told we need another white person added to this panel. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> a white man at that. Yeah, look at all you brilliant faces. I miss your face. What's up, bro? I How fucking you miss you, man. What's I'm up? doing all right. How about yourself? I miss the shit out of you and the wifey, though. I gotta come see you soon, I, man. I appreciate it. Hey, she misses you too. She's she's messaged you. <laughs> I know. I know how you uh, white folk don't check your messages. <laughs> you know what? I if she messaged me on my other account, I haven't logged into the Trisha Jean one in in a minute. So I guess I should. Yeah, it kind of fell out. How about you other guys? I only recognize two others. I, there was one guy I didn't really, I didn't catch. Don, good news, Hughes. Hey, Hamburg. hello. <laughs> Who's this? Don. Don That's a guy. I don't know Don. How's it going, Don? Uh, it's, it's going good, Nathan. Nice to nice to meet you. I'm um I'm Rob's best friend for like 20 years now. It's weird yep. that I don't know That's you. Crazy. People. He's never mentioned you. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm probably man. he probably bitches about the one that owes him money and cigarettes. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I'm surprised that y'all haven't met. Yeah, fucking Don's family, Don yeah, Nathan's family. So yeah. maybe maybe we need to have a family dinner here. Yeah, no, they 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 ran. They moved. They're in New Mexico now. No, just Rob's in Arizona. That's where yeah. Sterling's at, too. That's the other homie that you don't know, because, well, I don't know if he's ever even been to Michigan. <laughs> oh, I've never said But foot. Sterling, Nathan? Nathan Hello? Sterling. Don't, don't let me take up too much time. I see Iggy Pop is on the line. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving the pro rest. We got uh, Maynard James Keenan on after that. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The now thing is, they're all really smooth. just Dean. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But well, you know, and 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 to Nathan's edification and to for the for the future, right? For posterity's sake, uh, he and I have been planning to do this ourselves for at least six years. Uh, yeah, I mean. So here we are. Yeah, I mean that's about yeah, and here it is. 
you guys are rocking and rolling this shit. We've been trying to do this for a minute, and I'm I'm just a bum. I keep putting it off and putting it off, and you guys are actually doing it. Well, hey, anytime you want to get involved, man. Right. Dean and I have both been extending that invitation for a minute. You have a goal. Yeah. Finally took it. (laughs) Let's get it cooking. So I don't want to interrupt. I'm I'm making too much of a thorn in your guys' side. You guys were talking about. No, it's all good. I figured you had some input about the LGBTQ issues we were discussing. Do you really want me to do that? (laughs) Come on, I was about to hop in the shower. Uh, Come on. You don't need to wash your ass before discussing news, damn it. Come on. You guys do you, and I I, I appreciate the conversation. I'll hop in and uh, maybe give something or nothing. So, you know. That's fair. You guys are awesome. That's what we all do, man. Yes, indeed. Right? That's usually not from the shower. (laughs) <laughs> I love the unique perspective you bring to the table. <laughs> Some of us have jobs. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's, that's true. Let's get cracking. U.S. is in distress. I love you guys. I love you Solid too, man. We love you too, very much. I'm still trying to wrap my head around <laughs> the Blues Clues things. But like, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. It's just got me fucking. Right. My it's brain wild, is mashed right? potatoes right now. It's fucking. We're going after Blues Clues. I was raised on Blue's Clues. Listen, well, this is an old tactic, right? They, 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 they you know, they, they, they latch onto something that's important culturally, and they, and it seems above reproach, right? And they, and they, and they ball face attack it, and then they ride the publicity wave that follows. The best thing that we can do, I hate to say this, but the best thing we can do is just kind of laugh out of the side of one of our eyes and keep moving. Right. And let them screw themselves in the ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. the best propaganda against that fucking statement was that statement itself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. For real. <laughs> Pretty much For was. Yep. And Pretty much. American Family Association, which now I'm kind of wanting to Google to, you know, see exactly where their funding comes from. <laughs> Hateful churches. Um, <laughs> they're never going to successfully put a stop to Nickelodeon. Come on now. Come on now. No, but we are, it's we've just... proven to be reactionary, right? We've proven to be, we, we've proven to be a, a society that, that, that treats everything as a hundred percent valid and, and worthy of a response. And then sometimes it's just, it's just laughable. And this is one of those right. In those moments, I love to point out to people that their fucking ignorance is not as valid as facts and reality. Their egos don't tend to like that. So, Dean, Emily said you're right. It's like high school. Bullies stop picking on you as soon as they don't get a reaction anymore. Yeah, pretty much. You know, pretty much. I mean, if we wanted to really Um, make... If people wanted to draw attention to the fact that it's a problem, maybe they do come forward in droves um, and and threaten that Blue's Clues brand and and you you will see you will see a movement from the corporate side but I mean what do they think we're you know like I said we're not parading our children and we're not cross-dressing our kids in schools we're not I mean what the how far is this really gone you know do they what, think, what it really is the damage here 
do they do they think that people are like like some some corporate ninja from Nickelodeon is running into people's houses at night with Furman Supreme's pocket glitter and turning the kids gay? Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, they're turning the frogs glitter gay. bomb. Shing. <laughs> Shout out to Vermin oh, Supreme. Man. Dude, that shit, that shit still kills me, the gay frogs thing, because it's like, how fucking ignorant to biology can you be to not understand that frogs can change gender at will? Dude, okay, so like, I'm not Good gonna point. like bring it up during the stream as far as like playing it, but there is like somebody remixed. Alex Jones ranting about gay frogs into like an electronic song. Well, now I you have it. to play it. Oh, now you have to play it. Yeah. <laughs> Did we get I in trouble for the uh, for the Justice Scalia's dissenting comments? By the no, way, no. Beautiful. Not even a <laughs> awesome. Shout out so, to uh, Claudio Sanchez. All right. All right. <laughs> Was Scalia sharting his Levi's from the grave? I hope so. Probably. Uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, well, technically, he would have already done that on the moment that he left that vile skin suit, but you know. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all shit and piss ourselves when we die. <laughs> but if his energy is still riding around somewhere and not just descended back into the ether and brought back as a fucking worm. You guys bringing in there? I know uh, Shower's bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, I forgot you were in here, man. I fucking love you, man. <laughs> oh, it's all chaos. Oh, yeah. Rub a dub dub, man. As a frog in the tub. <laughs> Won't you fight for your life? Frogs, freaking frogs, I don't like a frog. Fuck yeah, dude. Man. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Nathan, see, and now this this brings to mind, I have to ask Nathan, do you have any input on Nathan's. the decline of this man's mental status? Because you knew him before he became this. Famous. Correct. The guy was, uh, yeah, he's fucking amazing. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he was fucking hilarious. This guy was a radio DJ. I was in Austin, Texas. He was a radio DJ, and there was a radio station. Don't quote me on Google it. It was KLBJ9 was the Austin rock station, and I listened to their morning show every morning. There's this guy, Charlie Hodge, and he was like, dude, you really need to check out this fucking guy. He's fucking hilarious. He's a, he, he, he's a conspiracy guy, the whole fucking nine yards. I'm like, right on. Dude, I was fucking hooked. This guy, I grew up listening to, my grandmother listened to Rush Limbaugh. Like, nah, she hated that fucker. We listened to him and Howard Stern on the way to fucking school every day. And I swear to God, it was like picking up where I left off. Alex Jones was fucking awesome.
I would argue there's very little difference between getting some stripper to sit on a Sibian and re- re- recite the alphabet and gay frogs. And that I would awesome. say there's a lot <laughs> of difference. What the fuck are you talking about, Dean? <laughs> well, I mean, that's that was Howard's <laughs> shtick, right? That was Howard's yeah. shtick, right? So no, very little difference. No. It's all entertainment. It all adds up to somebody saying something that you know is interesting and or compelling and or provocative no for sure but here's the here's the thing so the uh, not to take a bunch of time because i'm standing here naked and i want to just kind of pop in and you've been pestering me (laughs) i was the rob the ron paul movement was happening in austin texas Oh, hold on. Rob, can you stop sharing just in case we get a dick slip? No, it's coming. It's coming right <laughs> now. Right? Oh. oh, my God, Nathan. Oh, gosh. The FCC is coming, man. That was perfect. The FCC is coming. <laughs> that was Here perfect. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Oh, Poor Rob, fuck. we have totally destroyed his academic construct. Sorry, I have to say I was the architect behind that, and I apologize. Were you? Were you? <laughs> Absolutely. Do not ever um, apologize for really that. It works. Fucking golden. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh fuck. man! Oh, I needed that laugh, oh, Dean. Thank you. <laughs> Nathan, thank you. If you can hear me. Oh. I don't know if Nathan is still with us. No, he, he might have he dropped. Just... He's with us in spirit, though. His energy feels what I'm saying, man. It's fat dick spirit is what it is. <laughs> Oh shit! That was that was okay. Nathan Hank. All right, we gotta people. we gotta rein this back in. Rob, Rob, what's yeah. our uh, so what's our check, agenda, bud? Shall we check the comments before we continue? Rob, you're on mute. Oh shit! My bad. I forgot I muted should. myself. But yeah, we should probably, uh, you know, <laughs> continue on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were on slide two of LGBTQ, well, where oh, Matt Getz yeah. and yep. Trump Jr. follow in Ted Cruz's trail with transphobic rhetoric at the CPAC. In between lies yeah. about the election and attacks on the establishment and Joe Biden, many of the speakers at the Conservative Politi- Political Action conference cpac this weekend are going to fill their airtime entertaining the crowd with terribly veiled attempts to mock trans people after senator ted cruz republican from texas led the way while delivering the conference's friday morning and representative matt Getz, republican from florida and donald trump jr are following suit Quote, you know, in 2020, the New York Times reported that 60 percent of women named Karen voted for Joe Biden, Cruz said in what resembled an outdated comedy set. Quote, 
that's actually real. That's what the New York Times reported. And I'm willing to believe that 80% of the men named Karen voted for Joe Biden. Fuck you, Ted Cruz. That wasn't his only attempt at a joke, though. Quote, Orlando is awesome, Cruz quipped to open, but it's not as nice as Cancun. Fuck you, guy. Fucking taking off Cancun. Right? Your constituents are dying, freezing to death and shit, and your ass is in Cancun. And then jokes Mm -mm. about it. Right. Thinks that's funny. Like, hell no. Somebody should have kicked him in the dick in that moment. Uh, He's previously trashed trans rights on the grounds that, quote, I don't want my daughters taking showers with little boys, end quote. Motherfucker, fuck you. Okay. First of all, what fucking schools in this country anymore even, you know, like really make use of the gym showers? For fuck's sake. For two, um, we're not talking about boys. We're talking about girls. So um, here's that big fat middle finger again, too. Because yeah. so I mean there, there's trans- quite a bit more on the next slide too. It's he wasn't the only there one. is right. So next we get to get not one to miss out on capitalizing on something politically. Attack trans people in addition to railing against quote cancel culture. I being held responsible for your actions, motherfucker. Representative Liz Cheney and the Potato Head brand of toys. Quote, we gather here today in the shadow of Disney, gets said to the Orlando, Florida audience, a corporation that recently canceled its own founder, Walt Disney. Look out, Mr. Potato Head, you're next. I'm sorry, I think now he's going by Potato X, gets quipped. Can't be Mr. Potato Head. See, to me, the whole concept of the Mr. Potato Head was you could move the parts around. I mean, Mr. Potato Head was America's first transgender doll. And even he got canceled, he claimed. Conservatives have been in uproar over toy maker Hasbro announcing that they are dropping the Mr. from the Mr. Potato Head brand name. The Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head toys will still be available as they were. The name of the entire brand of toys will just no longer feature the masculine prefix. The yeah, boy so does I, not I'm ha- sorry to cut you off, but I just want to like interject here to point out that both Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head are still going to be available. They're just going to be under the Potato Head branding instead of Mr. Potato Head branding. That's the only thing that's changing. Right, because they don't need the Mr. or Mrs. And for fuck's sake, we're talking about the same fucking potato that you pull the fucking accessories out of and rearrange how you want. Yeah. Now, if... If a potato can be gender fluid, what the fuck's your problem with people being gender fluid or trans or any other? They don't care. (laughs) They don't care. And they don't care that it makes you mad. All they know is that these people have squishy scrambled egg brains with giant buttons inside of them (laughs) that are shaped one shape like abortion one shape like transgenderism, one shape like homosexuality, and they just mash the buttons. They just mash the buttons, and people dance, and they and they and genuflect, and they fucking shit them shit themselves, and that's just that's their operating model, and it's been the way they do business for years. 
Right. They're not gendered at all. It's, it's just the human perception of featured parts. So I'm, yeah, I mean, you know? I'm talking about CPAC speakers and CPAC goers. You know, the, right. the, 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 they're just—they're simply mashing the, the the jolly candy-like buttons that are inside the chud brain. Pretty much, yeah. Going dirt to do over there. Yep. But uh, he dropped his remarks after claiming that quote American business should be worried about business, not wokeism. What? Um. He also claimed that the reception he received was the most warm welcome since I was in Wyoming. A dig at Representative Liz Cheney, Republican from Wyoming, who has openly gone against Trump since the riots and became the target of the pro-Trump wing. Uh, Getz went on to defend Cruz, claiming that it was awful the way the media treated the center for his trip to Mexico while his state dealt with a historically disastrous snowstorm. I call bullshit. Donald Trump Jr., meanwhile, either copied the synopsis of Getz's remarks or didn't bother to change his key points after Getz spoke. He also attempted to resort to his father's favorite tactic, alliteration-filled nicknames. He called Cheney Lincoln Project Liz and tried to attack her by bringing up her father's past <laughs> shooting of a bystander oh, during a quail hunting trip. Yeah. Fucking logo. <laughs> like <laughs> they're they're trying really hard, but they're really not. These aren't real jokes. We're laughing at them, not with them. You know. Uh, he also railed against the Biden's quote most diverse administration, pondering about a hypothetical official being a woman. That's wonderful, but is she competent? Trump Jr. asked because. There's competent women and incompetent women, just like there's competent men and incompetent men. Fucker, we know which one you are. Uh, he just wants to know if he just wants to know if any of them have gag reflexes. Oh my god! <laughs> Not that he'd be able to cause one. It's probably this big, like his daddy. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, "We've seen that. We know it to be a fact." But people think they can get away with it by just talking about diversity blindly. Sort of a problem, isn't it? No, it sounds like there's a problem with your fucking hearing. Maybe there's, you know, wax buildup in there or something. Or there's a problem with your perception, motherfucker. Because I don't see anybody who's actually approaching the conversation about diversity in a logical and realistic and ethical manner doing so blindly. The ones who are coming at it blindly are the ones who want to choose to remain to be willfully fucking ignorant. Period. Yeah. So this last, quote, this last quote really gets me. Quote, this month alone, they've banned the Muppets and made a gender neutral Mr. Potato Head, he claimed. Neither claims are true, but it was no matter for Trump Jr. He really is his fucking father's son, right? I just watched the Muppets. Really I just watched the Muppets literally yesterday they didn't ban shit right there's there's still on air i'm just really impressed that you watched the muppets yesterday get to know me get to know me sterling i'm on that way actually acknowledged him as his son though i mean i don't think so (laughs) these people i don't know if i want to change my i feel like i want to change my name because of these people but I, i just I like my name too much. You like it too much too. You're so not a fucking, Trump, so you know. right? 
Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> James said Trump Jr. <laughs> starts with Trump, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Thanks for exactly. reminding me, James. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with those people's mouths? They literally look undone. They're like normal from the nose up and from the bottom down, they're like baloney that's moist their uh, lips you know they, right they get it from their daddy it's on uh, it's yeah, i think oh, they get it God. from his mom i think they get it from his mom Mary. Moist baloney yeah lips moist baloney lips. <laughs> well, look i'm look not i'm not betting this time this is not on me here like, you know when yeah, you fry baloney yeah. and it bubbles out Yep, like just like that. Cool look. <laughs> God, man. Uh, I'm with oh, it. Oh fuck! It's probably <laughs> an inbreeding thing or something. Who knows? <laughs> you know what? That I'm with you on that. I really am. All right. Sorry, censorship and big tech. As we are discussing the the genetic <laughs> defects of the president family. I'm my own grandpa. So basically, this first story is about VPN, VPN.com sending President Biden and Harris the uh, American censorship report. And I just kind of, you know, like through they, they worded it nicely, you know, but it, it's it's propaganda, really. They're they're going on and on and on about free speech, but um I don't know. I think that you'll probably get some of the same points out of the narrative that I did, but this is all excerpts from um, that report. For decades, censorship has waged war on free speech in countries like China, Russia, Venezuela, North Korea, Burma, Cuba, Iran, Vietnam, and many more. You notice anything about that list of countries? Mm-hmm. They all either have or have had socialist governments. Um, anyway, the free speech and open internet access that the world has relentlessly turned to America to protect is in jeopardy of eroding before our very eyes. Thankfully, your focus on diversity and American freedoms gives hope to hundreds of millions of oppressed people. We have entered a time where cancel culture has brought into question the core freedoms that our country was built upon. We now have situations where if someone descends from politically accepted normalcy, they are silenced, censored, and eliminated. It is becoming increasingly difficult to debate and dissent from uh, popular opinion online and offline. Unfortunately, social media, mass media, and partisan reporters have played their parts in these digital distortions. Uh, and I want to also just interject here to say that I'm not disagreeing with everything they're saying. They do raise very valid points. It's just the narrative behind it that pisses me off. Um, anyway. Right. Agreed. Rarely is someone innocent before proven guilty anymore. The world must hear from you that libel, slander, and character assassinations are the enemies of truth and freedom. Uh, in most oppressed countries... If you so speak a negative word about their dictator, government, laws, or use specific tools like VPNs to protect from censorship, you will be imprisoned and even killed. This is the restricted reality that billions of people have lived in for decades.
but Americans are only now discovering the oppression baggage that censorship brings. We are now segregating ourselves based on political views and silencing those who do not conform. We have seen this play out in history time and time again, and the ending is not good. And check out this line. There is now a very thin line between the American Republic and developmental communism. You both are the guards against this communism from invading our hearts, our minds, and our very souls. <laughs> so the whole narrative is working against communism. That, that's the whole thing that they're, they're using countries as an excuse. They're using communist countries as an excuse for free speech, free speech, free speech. But like... They're actively ignoring that these are authoritarian aspects. Communism has to do with the finances. The authoritarianism is the social aspect of their government that makes it not even true communism because if it was really communism, there wouldn't be a fucking government. And they like to ignore that core facet of the very fucking definition of the term. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they do have some good points, though. Media um, have played their parts in these distortions. Um, but, I mean, that being said, though, remember that, 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 okay, so here's my argument. Hate speech should not be free speech. Period. No. And there's a thin line between the American Republic and fascism, if we're getting down to it. But anyway, Bingo. I, I don't want to spend Bingo. too much time on this, but does anybody else have anything to say on that? Not unless you want to spend a lot of time on it. Mm. <laughs> can, can you sum well, it up what to time a line is it? or two? We... <laughs> a line yeah. or two wouldn't be fitting. Yeah, no, I could sum <laughs> it up in about three or four lines. Okay. The it is you know recently it occurred to me, right that um the left and the right schism, and we've been talking about this as far as unity, and I'm trying to give you a segue as well, Rob. Austin has usually kind of tackles this topic, but. I'll give you a good setup. The reality it occurred to me today was uh, the, 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 the left talks about change. It talks about revolution. It talks about what it will and won't accept. But the reality is they have the most to lose. So it is not in their best interest to facilitate any form of change that's realistic. And, I, and I'm sorry to drop this on you guys. This is heavy. I mean, this is probably something that needs expansion. But the left is the status quo. The left is the middle class, the large middle class. The left is the tech worker. The left is the family with a nice house in the suburb with a mortgage to worry about. They're, they've got the most to lose and they're the least interested in change. The ones, the people, and I, I, here's the, I ain't trying to red pill nobody here, but 
the people with the most to lose, the people who have are the ones that are least interested in change. The people who have not, the people who have almost nothing left to lose are following Trump right now. You're right. And we need to change that. And part of it, I think, is going to be changing the narrative on socialism in general, which is, is something that we're going to put a significant focus on over the next several weeks. But and I think that's why we're all having this problem with certain mainstream Democrats, moderates, quote unquote progressives, is because they have the most to lose and they're the least interested in any significant or real change. The people who stop giving a fuck are on the Trump train. Choo choo. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, I saw some guy with an obviously massive penis today driving wow. a truck with dualies. Right, and it, was, <laughs> yeah, it, and it was lifted, and he had two Trump flags and an American flag on the back. That thing's got to be huge. <laughs> right? I wasn't driving a truck today. Come on. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, just strapped truck nuts onto that 10 speed. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So our next segment is wealth inequality, and I think that kind of ties in to uh, what we were just talking about. We are the 99%, and we are all getting fucked by the same people. Um, America's K-shaped economy has been 50 years in the making. K-shaped economy. K, you know, like the letter K, like yeah. special K. They're making the economy. <laughs> They've carried it. <laughs> Y'all, we got to stop using that name. That is my mom's name, and she is such a nice lady. Everybody except for Sterling, Austin, and Dean know this. So two, three of us, half of us know this. Come on. <laughs> right. Your mom is a sweetheart. She doesn't deserve for her name to have been assigned to all of these Karens in the world. Nevertheless, it has happened. We can just put there a little bit of subtext of except for Karen Hughes. <laughs> she is the um, exception to the rule. So this article is from CNN Business. They're saying the pandemic is shining a spotlight on America's inequality problem. So CNN is acknowledging the problem. And I just wanted to point that out because that's shocking in, in and of itself. Um, anyway, but the nation's economic playing field was far from level long before the virus hit, even as the U.S. job market grew to its strongest point in 50 years. Take that, Trump supporters. <clears throat> anyway, uh, COVID-19 exacerbated the wage, wealth, and income inequality that was already present. Politicians and economists are calling the recovery K-shaped, a recently created term that means prosperity is returning more rapidly for some Americans as many others struggle to get by. The terminology might be new, but America's economy has always been shaped that way. Uh, people worry about a K-shaped recovery to the pandemic, and that is a cause for concern, but long before COVID-19 infected a single individual, we were living in a K-shaped economy, one where wealth or one where wealth built on wealth, uh, while certain segments of the population fall further and further behind. And that's um, from the Treasury Secretary, former Re Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen. 
Uh, take home ownership, the bedrock of household net worth in America. It is vastly unequal. Nearly 75% of white households own their own homes compared to only 44% uh, of black households, according to data from the Census Bureau. And I'd like to point out that the overall number is, is going down and they don't even talk about that, but the overall number uh, percentage of people that own their own homes is drastically lower than it used to be. Um, anyway, even as the jobless rate fell to a historically low 3.5% right before the pandemic, Black and Hispanic workers still faced much higher rates of unemployment, and women were more likely than men to hold multiple jobs, often working part-time as well. Um, so we had more than a decade of growth, its longest expansion in history, uh, and it has not helped the working class. It's not designed to help the working class. They don't give a fuck about you. Say it again for the people in the back, Rob. They don't give a fuck about you. So stop supporting them. Yep. Pretty much. Um, that's really all I had for that. Um, we could probably all go on for hours about wealth inequality. So, I mean, right. I doubt that's necessary, but we know that the, the, the 1% has gotten trillions, trillions out of us, um, over the last several decades. Hell, they got trillions out of us just last year with what got wasted being dumped into the fucking stock market to make it hiccup and collapse right back to where it had been. Why the fuck is it even an argument about um, it sending out trillions to the American people who would actually make use of it and be spending it on the shit that we need and really fuel the economy, which is, you know, one of their favorite terms to use when it comes to exploiting people. But, you know, nope, they wanted to give that money to their buddies to make absolutely zero fucking difference. And it's our money. We're the ones that have to pay that shit back. Well said. Um, our next segment is Left Unity. Um, so basically what I did was I put the, the website for the Youth Eco-Socialist Caucus of the Green Party in here. Um, that is, actually, I'll put it in the chat right now. It is yesgp.org. Hold on, let me, let me, let me clicky. <laughs> it is yesgp.org. Um, if you're under 35... There is plenty of room in the Youth Eco-Socialist Caucus. Um, I'm just going to read the about, and that's, that's all. They are the official Youth Caucus of the Green Party of the United States. As a party that advocates for social justice issues, the Green Party offers youth an avenue to be represented and participate in electoral politics, in movement spaces, and in grassroots organizing work. We are part of a global green movement that is establishing a comprehensive replacement as the typical business as usual party politics. Young eco-socialists serve the needs of youth voters and are consistently forming new chapters, 
on university and college campuses and citywide local organizations. Young eco-socialists are committed to positive politics and effective political activism. Marginalization of the youth in the United States electoral process, including our political process, sorry, including the electoral process and within social movements has long existed in the US. Furthermore, youth are always the spark of uh, systemic change in society and thus always repressed by older, more conservative, more socialized people and groups, always disempowered by the legal system and in the wider culture due to adultism. As part of our core identity, young eco-socialists underline our position and, inter and interpretation of the Green Party's platforms as anti-capitalist, intersectional slash anti-oppression, anti-colonialist, and politically independent from any corporate parties and from other forms of corporate influence. Um, yeah, they are, they are trying to mix theory and praxis, so to speak. They are uh, admittedly anti-capitalist, as I think most of us are. Um, they are admittedly uh, getting involved in community organizing and, you know, ground level activism. And I think for a third party to make a dent in the political system, that's what we have to do. Right. Agreed. Um, in terms of what we as leftists can do to show unity, just start talking to people, man. Join other organizations. Uh, connect with other organizations that have similar goals. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that's a great place for anybody to start. Anybody else have anything to say on left unity? This is normally Austin's thing. There's a lot of work there to do. Fuck yeah, there is. Like I just said, I think we've just... There is a schism that people aren't even aware of and until frankly that becomes comprehended I don't see unification as possible I just don't I mean I got the sign I'm sitting at the table changing my mind you know <laughs> I think we have to get involved uh, more people do and it seems like since 2016, uh, I, I hate to make people mad, but it seems like uh, being on the left, being a leftist, a progressive or anti-fascist, uh, it, it's a fad. It's a fad for some people that people just want to follow it and not try to get involved or help others. And that needs to stop. If you really want to see change and you want to see third parties come to life, uh, you, you need to get involved. You need to actually participate instead of uh, 
just agreeing, I guess, just agreeing with what we want for our country, what we want for our people. And it's time. It's, I think it's time that people stand up and uh, support third parties and try to help them unite other third parties, other left parties. Uh, right now, I'm trying to get the Greens and the People's Party to talk instead of bashing either or, you know, putting either down. Yeah, see, it, that's it's it. about that's it, right? People, people are contravening unity with winning. Yeah, uh, the, the third party didn't get many votes this time, but that's also because I believe the Democrats uh, kicked them off the ballots and. Uh, it's, it's the corruption that lies in the two parties that are killing the third parties. And either you, you see that and you want to do something about it, or you, you, you're blind. You're blind to well, let's the see. real corruption. Let's see in 2022, right? I think 20, 2020 was a fear of a Trumpified planet that prevented a third party uh, expansion. But, but yeah, I think I they. I, I mean, I think Howie, Howie summed it up as the 2020 election was a referendum on Trump. Correct. I, I really think it was. I, Even Bernie I believe that, that too. But what happened before then? I mean, well, even well, in 2016, we we seen a big turnout for Jill, right? We did. But it still wasn't as big as we did in the early 2000s. Right. So, and, I mean, but the platform green platform has always been has always been uh, reluctant to adopt a push hard for the national offices, for that matter, even this even the higher level state seats They're, They have they have constantly and consistently pushed for the for for the for the local seats. And and I think it's it would be we'd be remiss not to acknowledge that they have gained ground there. And they've done so fairly consistently, right? State houses, city governments, township and county governments. There's, you know, there, but, but please continue. Um, Actually, before you do, I got a couple comments to read. Sam in the comments uh, said the green party of Maricopa counties next meeting is on April 5th at 7 PM. Uh, then she said, also have volunteer group events soon to come before that. Mm. Um, That's and awesome. then James said, and the two-party system, third parties shouldn't struggle to be heard from. The stage has plenty of room. Um, so I want to take this moment to tell everybody, watch the third-party debates when they happen. Donate to it if you have a few dollars. We need things like that. We need independent media. We know the mainstream media isn't going to, you know, push the narrative that we want them to push. They are a capitalist. Uh, they are capitalist publications. They are not going to push anti-capitalist agendas. They're just not. So they wouldn't be e- allowed to by their owners. Right. So don't even worry We're, about mainstream not media. Me. That's why there is thousands of people just like us trying to change the narrative. All right, I hate to get procedural, but Austin still has the talking gourd. 
I know. I'm sorry, Austin. <laughs> I, I don't know where. I, I mean, I think that Trump was a big problem, and we all know he was. Uh, but we always, the Democrats always find an excuse. People always seem to find this excuse that they are bad. It's always the lesser of two evils. We're voting for something that's always evil, no matter which side we're voting for. And seemed like 2016 was a perfect time for a Green Party presidential candidate. Yeah, I believe it was. I mean, uh, Jill had a lot of support uh, amongst the people. And even then, it wasn't I, I, it wasn't enough to secure her uh, a valid number of votes to get them on the debate stage or even funded. Uh, so, I mean, what it is, is I think that she got arrested. we need to reach out. <laughs> <laughs> we need to reach out to uh, these younger generations. And I mean, even my generation, the millennials, and even younger than us, we need to start reaching out to these generations. You, yeah, you know, we got to reach out to the Zennials. We do have to reach out yeah, to the Zennials and the Centennials before they, before they turn us into blood and wear, their, wear our teeth around their neck on necklaces. Because those people, I'm telling you, they don't give a shit. We have to figure out a way to make so them I, give a shit. Anybody that's watching this, I, I need to urge you to get involved. And if, you, if you're seeing people, if you're seeing people that might be interested, even people that aren't, learn what the these third parties are about and bring these people in and just get involved. It's It's about having compassion and having you know this this want to build this unity that could and will change this country and probably the entire world the the rest of the world looks at this country as a model of how they're supposed to be i mean after we elected trump what did uh united kingdom do they elected somebody that was almost exactly like trump and it's just we need to show them that this country can be for the people finally after since it since it started because it was never for actually the people i mean we've had maybe one good president uh, that wanted to do things for the people but that's because he had to and now biden is in there and even trump was in there and and under almost the same circumstance and they do hardly anything they just took the 15 dollar minimum wage out and i mean just because of I, I i'm gonna end rant there so <laughs> but yeah just get involved please Exactly. If we don't get involved, it's not going to change, period. Um, that being said, if all you want to do on the left is share videos of people punching Nazis, please. <laughs> Everybody likes to uh, 
Nazi getting punched, yes. <laughs> it's seldom few things make my day as much as seeing a Nazi get punched. Brings me bliss. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they never expect to get be punched too, but I mean if you if you hate that much, you figure, you know, you you'd expect to get punched at least once or twice a day. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so. You would think. Oh, we can only hope. All right. That's so. the world I would love to see where punching a Nazi is not only legal, but legally required. See a Nazi punch a Nazi. <laughs> I think this is a perfect segue into the good news section because, I mean, you know. Nazis is it a video of punched. a Nazi getting punched? No. Yeah. I do not That's always good news. That. But right, right. Since oh, we're talking yeah. about Nazis getting punched, I <laughs> thought it was the perfect lead into good news. <laughs> I was hoping you All had right, a video. Everybody. <clears throat> All right. So I've told you some bad news tonight. Uh, we've covered some heavy things. I don't necessarily have anything from the news that's that's good news. Um, mostly due to me just not preparing for this it's been a it's been a weird week personally so sorry bear with me um <clears throat> that being said i am going to use this time to quote lao Tzu. thank you sterling for dropping the beat <clears throat> When you need rules to act good and just, when you act virtuous, that is a sign that virtue is lacking. And that's all I've got for tonight, guys. Think about that. That's, uh, that's from Nazi. And punch a Nazi. That's from Lao Tzu from the Tao Te Ching. Um, look it up. It's not spelled like it's pronounced. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's beautiful writing. I'm just gonna, of course, again plug our Patreon. Um, yeah, we're all we're. May we're I take a moment to... here? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because, okay, this is this is one reason why this is an important thing, not just to be able to build and grow as a leftist media source, but right now we are lacking in some of the basics. If you haven't noticed in prior episodes where my internet's just cut out and I've pooped right out of the Zoom and boop, later back into the Zoom. Um, and tonight with the and the and shit coming through from my audio that I have no clue where it's coming from because there's literally no noise here. Things like that we need basic equipment to be able to make this show possible without things like that hindering our progress in the show because I'll be honest that was a big distraction to have to go handle these audio issues while live we need your help so if there's anything you can give to help whether it be a dollar five dollars whether Elon Musk is fucking listening and knows that we have an Elon Musk tier for donations any bit can help us actually make this better and help it grow. Thank you. 
www.patreon.com slash for we are many. Indeed. Here we have the revolutionary at $3 a month. The insurgent at $5 a month. The anarchist, $10 a month. And right below those, we have the Elon Musk tier that exists solely for Elon Musk. This, this is where you come can on, Elon, Elon Musk. Yeah, come <laughs> on, Elon Musk. Somebody tag his ass on Twitter. Oh, uh, Natalie's right? asking if we have the PayPal link. Dean, that was you. And if you want to put out any other types of uh, calls for help, you're welcome to do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have not set the PayPal up, guys. I have to admit it here in public that I have not done that yet. So there is no PayPal me at this point in time. Um, I don't want, and a couple of people have tried to donate, give us money as individuals. I'd, I'd rather not. I mean, thank you for that, and it's very thoughtful. But uh, we first have to establish our, for the, you know, the podcast fund in order to do that i mean the podcast account right robin i can create that if if you wish you know and i you know now folks are seeing how the sausage is made but do do keep your eye on the website which is for we are many.org um and we are starting to very actively publish and and rob has an article up there right now i'd like to draw people's attention to it is uh getting a lot of traction actually rob so people are sharing it and, and, and the, the hits are coming. So that is the place that is the best place clearing house wise for you to be able to find us, find ways to contribute either monetarily or with content or with support. Frankly, vibes is fine. Um, and, you know, tell people if you enjoy this, if you've laughed or if you've learned or if you think that you have something to contribute, just reach out. There's every Rob has worked very hard and covered every possible pathway to us. I so. dropped the, uh, the link for the article in the comments. Thank you. As well. yeah. Yeah. Um, so as Dean said, we've been pretty thorough on covering social media. We have, uh, obviously it all started with our Facebook page. Uh, we have the For We Are Many support group. We have the newer For We Are Many mutual aid organizing group, um, yep. which speaking of that, we have an organizing workshop that we're going to be streaming before our regular stream on Monday. That'll be at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard. So um, 4 p.m. Eastern, guys. Right. Uh, that'll be next Monday, March 8th. We are on Twitter at For We Are Many 2. I, I don't actually know how the two ended up on there but you know whatever uh we are on instagram at for we are many podcast we are on tiktok at for we are many podcast we are on soundcloud we are on youtube we are on anchor spotify google podcasts um everywhere iTunes. you get podcasts you can find the for we are many podcast Indeed. Does anybody have any closing statements or does that pretty much cover it? Just want to thank everyone once again, especially those of you, those the real ones 
who soldier the through us <clears throat> to the end, right? We are here, we are for you, and we are for many. If you guys want to see some, if you guys want to see some free art, my, um, my page on Facebook that is dedicated to simply just the stuff I draw during art therapy every morning, um, is live now. It's the art of D W Hughes. I thought it sounded more like an artist than Don does, you know, I don't know if you like it, check it out, man. Um, it's none of it's for sale. I'm just practicing before I go to art school. Emily said in the comments, Antifa sluts forever. Antifa, Antifa sluts forever. org backslash Antifa sluts backslash psychedelics and drugs in our pussies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I don't have anything else to say. So I'm just going to end this with solidarity. Woo! Fucking See a. everybody on Thursday. Deep dive later. Good night. Right now, right now.